We got room keys. Ooh. Girl, you wanna come to my hotel? Baby, I will leave you my room key. I'm feeling the way you carry yourself, girl. And I wanna get with you cause you're a cutie. So if you wanna come to my hotel, all you gotta do is holler at me. Cause we're having an after party. Checking out six in the morning. Welcome to the Best Picture cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We're here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie that you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email. Our email is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Come after us on our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're all at bestpicturecast. That's at bestpicturecast. You can find us and... We're back yet again to tackle a Best Picture winner. It's going to be a Best Picture winner from long, long ago. It is the second earliest Best Picture winner that we've done so far. And we are going to be checking into the Grand Hotel this evening. And I have with me here a uh, few familiar voices that have been with us before. And I'll start by introducing Joey R. Joey, how are we doing today? Great. Excited to be here. Also excited for our letterbox to continue to grow. So check us out there. Um, we've been as active as we can so far. So that's in there. exactly right. That's one of our newer developments, the letterbox. It's been, been rising in followers. Joey, you've been uh, captaining that and doing a great job. Yeah, we're at almost 600. So let's bring us over. That's right. And uh, we'll also mention that we have a, a merch store out too. I'll have the link for yeah. that in the, in the description of this podcast where you can get a, a pint glass or... A T-shirt or leggings or uh, stickers. A, stickers, a number of things from from the different uh, best picture movies that we've covered. Uh, Grant Z does all the artwork on those. He's done a, a phenomenal job. Super talented, and the quality is fantastic. I mean, I I've been using the mugs, the beer beer mugs, pretty often, and they rewash great and still hold up. So. Yeah, and uh, wearing one of those shirts right now, and it's uh, from an unreleased movie that we haven't covered yet. So he's got an exclusive item. He is. Oz, Oz, how are we doing today? Not bad, not bad. Um, I see that I'm the go-to for these early 30s um, <laughs> Best Picture winners, and I don't know whether to be honored or offended. <laughs> um, but yes, on the merch, um, Grancy does it's just an excellent job. It's really cool stuff. And uh, I got friends in high places, so I got some unreleased stuff. That's right. Everyone yeah, else is going to have to wait. The unreleased Casablanca shirt. Yes. We don't yes. know when we will be covering that, but we do know that when we do, we have a uh, a great T-shirt. Fantastic uh, that shirt. we'll be out there for. We won't we, we won't, won't tease what the image is. You'll have to you'll have to find. You have to wait till it, it's released. But you can get merch for both Godfathers. We have merch for Rain Man and Sound of Music, uh, the Silence of the Lambs, one for the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, a bunch more movies that you can check out. And, uh, Amadeus is one of my Amadeus. favorites. Departed. Yeah, and we have just the regular Best Picture cast uh, themed logos too. I have a a nice mug that I drink my coffee out of every morning when I'm, you know, I'm editing these uh, these <laughs> monstrously long raw footage runtimes here. I can't wait to see what he does for for the Grand Hotel. Yes, yes, I'm sure the <laughs> Grand Hotel 
will be a hot selling item. I'm coming up absolutely blank. You can't you can't do the Two Face Doctor because that'll be too much like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the trick. Just use Two Face. Get that '90s Batman fans in there. That's exactly right. But you know what? I don't. Uh, and no one interferes with Grant's uh, vision for these things. He has a. He has a way for singling it out, and I'm still waiting for the Ellison Tahiti Jig shirt to come out. Yeah, Grant's being very resistant to that. <laughs> no, Joey, you'll be wearing that all over town, I'm sure. Did find a sweatshirt day one so I can burn it. <laughs> now, Oz here referenced the fact that uh, the last time the three of us were together for an episode was the Cavalcade episode, which was the 1933? Mm-hmm, 33. 1933, and this is uh, the Grand Hotel from 1932, so we're, we're dialing it back a year for it. And in that Cavalcade episode, we also did our Season 1 rankings revisited, and we are going to uh, have a little sequel of that today. We're going to do our Season 2 rankings revisited. Which is great. Yeah, we're doing it a little earlier in the season than we did last time because we will, at some point, uh, toward the end of season two, or so we're toward the middle, so the middle, the middle end, wherever you want, however you want to say it, we'll be doing our top thirty, which is going to be very interesting too. But today we can focus on the fifteen movies from season two. Oz, you're going to give your rankings yes. as you did on that Cavalcade yes. episode. Uh, Joey, you're going to release the. Composites. The composites. Yep. And you can also find those composites on the letterbox. Yep. They're on letterbox already, but now we'll put them out in the episode. We'll put them out on our Twitter. That 30 yeah. is going to be tough. It is going to be hard. A tough yeah. assignment for everybody. It is going to be. But that's what we're that's that's what what we here do. to do. Tough assignments. That's what we do. That's it. In addition to those, we'll also be uh, just showing you how IMDb would rank these 15 movies too, which is an interesting... Just kind of outside look. Yeah, that, as yeah, to, to see how the gen pop is doing things, it's always That's right, that's right. And Absolutely. while you're on our Letterbox account checking out our uh, composite rankings, as well as the season one and season two rankings, you also check out my ranking of the Clint Eastwood filmography as I go through it. I'm in the 90s now. Nice. I finally made it up to Unforgiven, which I've obviously seen before as it's a Best Picture winner. But I just finished uh, The Rookie, starring Charlie Sheen. And it How is, was that, Kieran? Honestly, one of the more absurd movies I've seen in a long time. <laughs> uh, it is Clint Eastwood interrogates a guy by lifting his car up with a giant junkyard magnet and swinging it against piles of other cars to, to get the information he needs out. Uh, That's quite a project. That's a lot of movies. It is. It started in the early 70s. Yeah. So I'm up to 1990 now. I think Unforgiven 92 is next. And nice. then there's a Kevin Costner movie right after that. I'm Maybe this could be your sister podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just We'll just analyze the works of Clint Eastwood. But uh, yes, yeah, so you can check that out on our Letterboxd account. And now it's time to talk Grand Hotel. There it is. Guys, a first viewing for both of you, I would imagine. Definitely. It is, yes. Okay, a yeah. true second viewing for me. I saw it for the first time about 10 years ago. Oh, so this is early in your project. This was early in the project, this. yes. This was oh, wow. one of the, it, the runtime was low. It was, <laughs> believe it was available on TCM. It was airing on TCM, so okay. I was able to queue it up on the old DVR. And I'm like, you know what, let, let's tackle it. And it was at, at a time where I was super unfamiliar with anything from the 30s. So it was in many ways an introduction to that decade. This is a good one to introduce yourself with. Because if you went on some of the others, it could have turned you off a little bit early in the project like this, where this could probably... Okay, this is manageable. I see what they're doing. Yeah, I, I, I believe Mutiny on the Bounty was the first well, early the, one I saw. I mean, I obviously had seen Wizard of Oz, you know, many, sure. many times throughout my life, which wasn't the best picture winner, but I think Wizard of Oz was 38, maybe, or... It was 30, it's, 39, it's in the yeah. 30s, yeah. Where, wherever it is. But So in many ways, this is one of the first movies from that decade I saw. So it, it should be interesting. Yeah, I think you're right about the uh, not being a bad first one. Because one of the first things that jumped out at me was the, 
the dialogue and not so much the substance of what they were saying, but how they were speaking to each other. Was they talk good. like people. Yes, but they also talk like people and balance it correctly that knowing that people are going to be watching them right. speak. Because like some of the other early movies that you guys have covered or I have covered, I thought that was a problem in Cavalcade. Huge. I had an mm. issue with that in Rebecca um, as far as the, oh. the dialogue, the speedy nature of the dialogue. A little bit. And, yeah. and to a much lesser extent, a little bit of a problem with that with Mutiny and... Um, Lost weekend, not bad, but yeah. a, a little bit of a lesser extent. Here, it kind of it seems like they figured out the balance between this has got to seem realistic, but also people are going to be watching this without participating in the conversation. I think they hit on that pretty well early on and often. It's a good conversational movie. Be, you know, these things happen in the conversations. That's the action. So, right, they did a good job of balancing it, where it also felt like this is how people would talk. Yeah, and and I think two of the things working in their favor from that regard is, number one, this was at the time considered what was really the first ever all-star cast right, in a movie. Theater. It was not expected that a movie has this many stars. I mean, right. you have three Oscar winners and two Oscar nominees. Wow. So Usually you get one star and everybody else just kind of supporting that person. And they're all relatively young at right. the time. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a really is, a, for the time, a very, very... Yeah, and the, the general... It's a young, good-looking cast, yeah. too. So. Right. The general concept back then was is you want to spread out the stars into different movie projects so that you so that all of them Get have have an audience, you know, because people are going to go see their favorite star. Let's spread it out amongst them. This was their theory is, well, what if we just put them all in the same one? And the movie was, I think, MGM's biggest it's, success at, yeah. at that time. I mean, it made, it made like triple its budget opening weekend. Yeah, right. Like yeah, the so. amount of money it made. So the genius who cast it. But let me ask you guys something here, and this might be a little bit harder for you, but... Greg, so when I saw what year this was, and then I saw that it was a play first, I had a little bit of cavalcade PTSD, where I was like, this cavalcade couldn't get out of its way that it was a play. Yeah, and that was going to be one of my points I, I, I was going to say, too, with why I thought the dialogue was so smooth. This is one, you had the five stars, yeah. and two, it was a play, so everything was arranged a little smoother, whereas something like a Rebecca's just a straight adaptation from a novel. But that's a good good counterpoint there, Joe, is the cavalcade was... A play, too. And, and I it think that was its fault. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cavalcade was lacking some star quality, though. Too. Well, yeah. a million percent. But it was such a play where they stayed set like a play where this became much bigger and grander. Right away, the first scene, I was like, oh, thank God. Greg, what, did you think the same thing going in? Yeah, but they, they self-contained it a lot better than Cavalcade. I mean, Cavalcade went crazy with, like, yes. trying yeah. to tell a million, million different things in a million different settings. This was... Um, and maybe to its fault a little bit, which we'll, we'll touch on later, it was really just in like one room, almost, with a bunch of different characters and for good and bad. I mean, the transitions were great as far as how they were telling the story, too. So I think they were able to narrow down the story enough where it didn't have the negative effects of the play like Cavalcade. Right. I agree with you. I think we're probably, it's about time to just deep dive this thing. Let's, let's and, go. All right. And before we get there, I do want to just say, if you're listening to this podcast, if you listened to episodes before, whether those episodes were the Lion King episode, which 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 was the winner of our animation tournament. Lion or, King has never been discussed in this manner, which makes that episode <laughs> a must listen. Yeah, it is a, a truly bon- bonkers episode. <laughs> there's lots of singing. There's a lots of wacky impressions. You, I would check that one out. Or whether you checked out our Platoon episode, which is a way more serious episode and, and way more dense. And Joey, you were there for that one. So what, whatever it may have been that you that got you here, even if this is the first episode you listen to, you're just a, a, a raucous Grand Hotel fan. 
Listen, there might be a Greta Garbo fan who is just thirsty for content and, or, you know, the Barrymore's. That's Anyone. right. So let's go. We're, That's right. We're open to all. So however you found us here and got to this point, I encourage you to please subscribe and follow on whatever device you're listening to and write us a review. You know, tell us what you think. Give us the old rating. All that helps our visibility. We've come a long way in, in a year and a half here. And it's uh, it's always fun to, to, to hear from people. And it, it's always rewarding to grow a little bit every time we do, whether whether that's through another platform like a Letterboxd or... Uh, merch. Or merch or, or our ever-growing Twitter account. But uh, those rates and reviews really help a lot. So check it out. Also, as we mentioned, that we did the Lion King episode for the winner of our animation tournament, social media tournament, where we had people on Twitter and Instagram vote for the movie that we should do next in a, in a massive World Cup-style tournament. As this episode comes out, we will have embarked on our sub-50 tournament all three of us here had had selections in in that one when you're hearing this it will have already been underway so get out there and and vote for we'll probably be nearing the uh the the head-to-heads by now so get out there and vote for it we we have 36 crazy wacky movies and we genuinely don't know which one is going to take it very exciting they're all bad this is uh different than the the first one you did because of the rules yes that first one had some movies that weren't that bad right this is a this is a tough. I can't wait till next year when the rules get up that everything has to be under twenty percent. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Make it even crazier. But Can't yes, be a director so that you know, every one of these movies is under fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes in both critic and audience. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, which one survives and gets its very own episode. So I'm looking forward to that. Is it time now? Are it's we ready time. To do the deep dive? Yeah. Let's do it here. The year is nineteen thirty two. And the 37th U.S. presidential election saw the governor of New York, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, defeat incumbent President Herbert Hoover in a landslide amidst the backdrop of the Great Depression. Roosevelt previously ran as vice presidential candidate alongside James M. Cox in the 1920 presidential election in a defeat to Warren G. Harding and his running mate and future president Calvin Coolidge. FDR won the 1932 election alongside Speaker of the House from Texas, John Nance. He won 42 states to six. It would be his first victory of many, as we cover often here on Best Picture Cast, as his span as president goes well across a lot of these movies that won Best Picture. The World Series in 1932 was one of the major league leading 27 titles for those New York Yankees. All right. Oz, your New York Yankees. Let's go. And it was a clean sweep over a team that hasn't had as much success in the World Series history, and that's the Chicago Cubs. A uh, Yankees team managed by Joe McCarthy that featured Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth won four straight games by the scores of... 12 to 6, 5 to 2, 7 to 5, and 13 to 6. Yikes. People always talk about the 27 Yankees, but this is only five years removed, which is murder as well. This is only five years removed, (laughs) so they had many of those same characters in place. Some big names. They're still doing all right at that time. Yeah, it's a notable World Series. that It it holds a record for the most future Hall of Famers to participate in the World Series. Really? 13. Both teams combined. (laughs) Yes, and for the Yankees, it was Earl Combs, Bill Dickey, Lou Gehrig, Lefty Gomez, Tony Lazari, Herb Pennock, Red Ruffing, Babe Ruth, and Joe Sewell. On the Cubs was Kiki Coiler, Billy Herman, 
Burloy Grimes and Gabby Hartnett. In addition to those 13, both managers, Joe McCarthy for the Yankees and Rogers Hornsby for the Cubs are Hall of Famers, and three of the four umpires in the crew also became Hall of Famers. So wow! Star-studded World Series. Quite a tidbit. There. Uh, quite a tidbit. And here's a, a little... I never would have guessed 1932 for the year with most Hall of Famers in the World Series. I that's, know it. That's... What is probably more notable from this World Series is this was Babe Ruth's 10th and final World Series, and it was the World Series where he famously called his shot. And that was in Game 3, pointed to the outfield bleachers after the Cubs were really shit-talking him. And this was a real chippy series. There was a lot of back and forth leading up to and during. He uh, pointed out to the bleachers and then hit the next pitch 440 feet plus to dead center field. That's probably the end of the series, that moment, I would imagine. I would think so. Yeah. But I think probably the end of a lot of the chirping, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just talk about someone just absolutely making a power move. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a uh, Zip It Scott and the number one song, of course, was Night and Day by Leo Reisman and Academy Award nominee Fred Astaire. Academy Award winner and Best Picture cast favorite, potential BPC Hall of Fame candidate, Bing Crosby had three number one hits this year. Of course he did. Mm -hmm. Dinah, Please, and Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? Hmm. So there is the President, the World Series, and the number one song. But the Best Picture winner was The Grand Hotel. And it was directed by Edmund Goulding, the only movie that he directed to win Best Picture. Produced by Irving Thalberg and MGM. And it was based on a book by Vicki Baum, which also became a play. It was adapted from that play, the stage screenplay by William Abelson Drake. Play came out first, and I think they funded the movie... With, with a the lot play. of the, yeah, yeah, with a lot of the success from the play. Music was by Charles Maxwell. Cinematography by William H. Daniels, who would later go on to win a Oscar for cinematography. It's a star-studded cast, as we mentioned before. It's starring Greta Garbo, John Barrymore, Joan Crawford, Wallace Beery, Lionel Barrymore, and Louis Stone. It was nominated for one Oscar. And it won one Oscar, and that was for Best Picture. The only movie to do that, to be nominated for one, have that one be Best Picture and to win it. So it was batting a thousand, if nothing else. Yeah. Hey. It's pretty shocking that none of, none of, the, none of the actors, actors got Yeah, yeah. We, it, we do need to, to mention that the supporting actor category had not been invented yet. So that was okay. after... So they didn't know the what to do with ensemble cast at exactly, this point. Exactly, exactly. So that was uh, after Muting the Bounty in 1935. Right. Uh, we, right. we discussed that. Right, Jerry I guess so. uh, Garda Garbo wasn't in this enough to warrant... The lead, uh, yeah. And, and just every, there were so many. This is the first kids. ensemble movie ever, so they had no idea what the hell to do. But that's a miss. Yeah, and, and you know we mentioned this is kind of the first all-star cast approach to a movie. And Greta Garbo, who was a, a mega silent star, mm -hmm. was one of the silent stars who successfully transitioned yeah. into uh, talkies. Few. And you know it's a, a topic that we discuss quite a bit in our artist episode. And you have Joan Crawford, who's like up and coming, who's yep. really good as well. And yeah, been, she goes on to be a big star, and huge. she wins her Oscar. Uh, a little later on, yeah, but and I thought she really popped in this movie. I thought she was excellent. Yes, definitely. I was really yeah. impressed by her. Um, but the stories of like her being almost shy around Greta Garbo, because how big of a star Greta Garbo was, it was really cool to read. And then you know John Barrymore and Greta Garbo kind of just crush it and becoming like buddies. Yeah, Joan Crawford would win her Oscar for Mildred Pierce 
1945, and we briefly discussed in our Lost Weekend episode. Also, the uh, the Barrymores in the mix yeah. would be Drew Barrymore's uh, grandfather and great uncle. Yeah. So that, of course, Barrymore is... Barrymore clan just really taking over the movie. Yeah, John Barrymore and Lionel Barrymore. Lionel Barrymore, probably more well-known for his role in It's a Wonderful Life, it's, yep. where he plays uh, the his, heel. Mr. Potter. Right? He's the heel. Also, Academy nominee Louis Stone in the mix, and Academy Award winner Wallace Beery, who plays the heel in this one. Yeah. The, uh, the German, the only, the only man in Germany with a German accent. Yeah. <laughs> You need one. Uh, of course. Yeah. I actually didn't realize how big of a star John Barrymore was at this time. Because as I was reading about it, I was like, wow, he kind of got... Because at the time, he was considered the star of this and how much he did. He kind of got lost over time where Greta Garbo and Joan Crawford really stayed the most relevant now. Yeah. I'm sure John Barrymore was what they pushed as. I know it was an ensemble, but one of the leads, yeah. it seemed like. Anyway. Right. Yes. Uh, it seemed like he was like a quote-unquote tabloid guy like where the the ta- I don't what they call them then if they call them tabloids um there's just interest in, in him as a person absolutely uh, in his personal life interesting well they, to, to like kind of get Greta Garbo attached they they um put her in just with one name on the on the poster because that was something that oh. they just did for like the biggest stars because I think John Barrymore you know in the ensemble cast he was the he was the guy and I didn't realize that. Like, you hear, you know, when I saw this, I was like, "Oh, Greta Garbo, Joan Crawford." That's who I thought first. And then, as I was kind of doing more research, Joan Barrymore's huge. Yeah, and this is one where there was a lot of you guys mentioned the tabloids and all that, and there was a lot of hubbub about how this will will go off and how this will how this one's going to happen here. And everyone kind of made a lot about can these stars get together? Can can they coexist? Can they share one ball? Yes, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Well that's, yeah, that's exactly right. So I think it would have been, it, it, it's, it's, it long predates the era of a reality show, but it would have <laughs> probably made a pretty good reality show. But it seems like the word is that they, it, a lot of it was talked up more than it actually was. Well, it seems was. like they all got along really well because like, I guess Greta Garbo was more like of a, it was a very shy person. Like right. she didn't, she didn't attend the premiere. She yes. stayed at her house. But she even went up to Joan Crawford and was like, why aren't you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they all got along really well because, you know, for this weird thing, maybe they all realized what it was, that it could be something big. And this turned into, you know, you read interviews with them even later, later into their careers where they're all talking about how much they love this movie and love making this movie. They all kind of got their shine, too. 100%. Uh, the, the five, really. Um, yes. It, almost to the point where Greta Garbo... Might have the least to, to to do out of the five. I agree. Yeah, I that's agree a, that's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. She kind of it, and it's. I had to kind of almost rewatch this again to to remember where her character ended up, you know, and and how it got there. Because you know, I mean, I remember thinking in the end when she's like looking looking for the Baron, looking for the sure. Baron. But like w- like there's there is that gap of time in this movie where she's yeah. just not around, right? Right. You know, so uh, it it because the other she's the only one not connected with Otto and. Flint. Right, right, right. Because, the, like, the Baron is the connector to everybody, but Otto and Flem have their own side thing with pressing, so she's just kind of on her own wavelength. As the, you know, she's the star within the star, so that's fine. It makes sense with what they're doing. And she definitely got her time, but I, I agree with you that she yeah. got the, kind of the least. They, they did treat her, though, like, whether it was her or the character or a combination of, of both, 
like our first intro on the screen, they like slowed down, zoomed in yeah. with some music. <laughs> like obviously this is uh, this They're, is someone someone we consider a, a major star. She got she got like the, a lot of like emotional stuff. She got some transitions. They gave her you know a lot of solo scenes. Yeah. And she had a good old fashioned uh, pill problem. It seems like right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I mean. Good. <laughs> You know, she's about to kill herself on a screen for this, so you know she had a dark, she had a big dark arc in a you know movie with a lot going on and very forgiving as well of someone breaking into her room. But I guess he saved her, so that's okay. Yeah, I don't know if we want to we want to go to that yet. If we, we want, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the best way to discuss this one is you know we'll talk about each character, we'll talk okay. about their setup and okay. their kind of main main involvement in in. The narrative here, and then after that, we'll kind of discuss where they all end up. Perfect. So I think that's probably the best way to do it. But before we do that, I do want to like focus on the beginning scene because I think the beginning scene is pretty important, and how they choose to introduce all these characters. Because we have to remind ourselves when you're watching this movie that this hasn't really been done before. So we're we're used to ensemble casts at this point. Right. And, you know, we're used to a lot of the tropes that they use. So they, they had to find the right way to get everyone in, involved here. And I thought that that telephone booth scene in the beginning was a pretty clever way to do that. Before we do that, though, I want to talk about what we're drinking here today. And, uh, Oz, I'll have you go first there. Okay, so what I'm drinking now is not important. Okay. I figured since we're going to Germany. Oh, boy. Get some good old-fashioned German. Wow. Uh, listeners at home... Oz just pulled out a bottle of Jägermeister. So well, Joey R is going home. Let's still talk to this. <laughs> I we'll mean, just, we'll just have a little. Oh taste. my goodness! Taste. Yeah, I okay. think the last time Oz that you and I drank Jägermeister together was probably in college. But uh, yeah, I don't think that ended well. No, for anyone. no, no. Um, but here we are again. Uh, here we are again, and well, we're going down the path of Otto. Right, and yes. the uh, the Islanders sure. just just gave up a. Yeah. Another goal well, here in an elimination style game here, so we, we may need this. Yeah, to the Germans. This is a shot of Jägermeister, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, a BPC first. Yeah. Oh, it tastes like college. Yeah, Possibly a, a BPC less as well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. Wow. So the Jägermeister is on is in play. The Jägermeister is on the table. Uh, I, in addition to that, <laughs> uh, I have a, a German name at least here, and Leinenkugel. Nice. It's from Milwaukee, though, and uh, it's a summer shandy. It's uh, we're a couple days into summer here now. Perfect. The official start of summer, at least, which is I always feels very late. I agree. It's way too late. You know, they, like, I don't I, care about this meteorological summer. Yeah, it wasn't bullshit. spring. Like, it didn't feel like spring anymore. It's always we're, we're yeah. a month into summer. I like it's like it's not really actually winter until like January thirtieth or something yet. But uh, yeah, so it uh, it's the summer shandy. It's a, always a seasonal favorite of mine. German Weiss beer. Joey, what do you have? I actually have a. Uh, Something new to the BPC world. We're going Tiger Style Fierce Pale Ale by the Arono Brewing Company in Maine. Wow, we're going yeah. Maine. I love nice. it. Love it. Small brewery up there. My buddy brought me down, so I figured it should make its BPC. It's really good. 7.4% alcohol does not taste 7.4%. Wow, 7.4 so, alcohol. So we're not going to RDB mode yeah. where we're going to take a nap. <laughs> well, yeah. well, the the, well, that with a shot of Jaeger, I don't know. Well, like, we could see the, new new levels of Joey R here. So for the, the, the next beers I have are all day IPAs. Okay. Getting uh, hoppy. <laughs> so for the, for the listeners, um, I just ran out of the room for a second uh, to grab another beer. And when I walked back in, you should have seen the fear 
on their in their eyes. <laughs> like, what is he? Uh, what is he bringing in now? They come back with a funnel. fear, absolute right. fear in their eyes. Oh, oh, but I don't have anything. Else. No more tricks up my sleeve besides the Jaeger. Besides yeah, the German so what? Uh, what kind oh, of beer did you get? Oh, this is Blue Point uh, Summer Ale. It's a great one. Yeah, it's good beer. Great one. It's good beer. But, a local choice yeah. and a good one. And yeah, so the, the start of this movie here. They use this. Well, well, I do have to say first is we get the title cards uh, uh, introducing the characters. Which is cool. Actors. It was interesting. It was cool. And we talked about in, in our Sting episode how that movie was stylized like a '30s movie. Right. And here now we're watching a '30s movie, and you can see some of those things where there's like the swipe from scene to scene. I do think it screen. worked better here than the Sting. Well, yeah. I mean, here is was more intentional. But yeah, but I, I liked it because you know because. Listen, you know some of these people, you don't know all of them. Like, it was really well done with the music. It was subtle. I, I, I like the title cards here. Yeah, it, it's... I agree. It, it introduces... It puts a, a name to the face right. to each character. It was probably exciting for audiences back then to see the stars lined up one by one by one. There's a great scene in the movie The Apartment, BPC favorite Billy Wilder movie. Can't wait. Is, uh, is he good is he fucking good? Yeah, Billy he's Wilder? yes. I think he uh, he's been quoted awesome. as fucking awesome. I yes, think Artie that's... downgraded him to fucking okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Artie, Artie's Artie. We have to check in with yeah. him that. But Artie Sunset Boulevard takes are cold. Yeah, well, they, 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 might, they might have jarred some things a bit here with that. But <laughs> but in uh, in the apartment, there's a scene where Jack Lemon is uh, home in his apartment, and he's looking for the TV to find something that's on, and there's a up next. Greta Garbo, John Barrymore, Joan, Joan Crawford, Wallace Berry, Lionel Barrymore in the Grand Hotel. And he just goes, hot damn. You know, oh, wow. Each, oh, so Billy Wilder is, is giving it, credit to it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and it's just, you know, Jack Lemmon's taken back at how many stars <laughs> are, are, are thrown his way. And each one, he goes, oh, oh, ooh, ah, you know, as they name oh. each one. So that's kind of a fun a, a fun interbest picture reference. Really cool. I like that. And what, that movie is, what year is the apartment? 1960. 60, okay. Yeah, so it's yeah, several years. So it's got some time. Yeah. But then into the phone scene, I think was a really good way. So they tell you who it is. Mm-hmm. And then in a very simple but clever scene, you learn a whole lot about these people. Because you don't learn the, the them that they put out into the world a few minutes later. You learn about the real them. Yeah. And you learn about Gruz's character through her maid, Suzette. Which I also thought was cool because it also right, made... oh, right, Gru's the guy. So the, the dancer, we'll call the it. Greta Gar- or we can call it Greta Garber, Greta, the okay. dancer. Yeah. So you know, easy. I like that they didn't have the dancer on the phone mm-hmm. because I think that would have been that would have not made sense with her character. The fact that it was her maid and talking about how struggling she is, and I think that's awesome. And maybe so, I, I just really clever, really like especially with the Baron because you watch it quick, you don't really realize what's going on until halfway through the movie. You're like, oh, that's why he was asking for more money. It was just very cleverly done and not too over the top. Yeah, and going booth to booth and, and introducing us to Kringlein and introducing us to uh, to the Baron and getting each one. You get Wallace Berry's character too, the uh, praising. Yeah. You, get, you get each one and, you, and they have their little moment to get in there. And then we, they, take, they take you into the lobby. And one of my like main compliments to this movie and in something that could have easily gone a different direction because in many movies it does is that when you get when you get plays adapted to the screen, Joe, you talked about it a little bit with, with Cavalcade. Cavalcade is not necessarily an example of what I'm about to talk about, but there's they often get this kind of like self-contained staged look to them. And it's just going room to room 
and it just looks like a play that's right. being filmed on They camera. don't know how to move past the set pieces. And this could easily have been that. Easy. But they do a great job of giving scope to the hotel itself and letting the hotel be its own character. And I don't think this movie works without them doing it. I think it becomes a very blank movie, uh, a very spineless movie. The, the, the hotel yes. itself has to be a character. The lobby and the phone booth is extremely important, and it plays very important roles throughout, where early on, this is how you meet people, this is how you see how they interact in the world, all the way to, you know, not to get too far ahead, all the way to the end, how they kind of protect things and bring new people in very smoothly. Yeah. So it, it really plays an important part that if it was just, hey, this is room 160, this is room 170, this is room 166, it's very boring. And, and you know, and I think that the actors get lost in that too when it just becomes about the script and their exchanges and then they're just, they're just actors in a play. They matter less. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we kind of touched on it a bit before, but the transitions are, are between the stories, they happen so well. That's one of the things they do extremely well. It's not one story and then cut, new yes. scene, new story. It's guys talking, next character's walking by, and then it kind of picks up with that. And, and it all and makes sense. It, it could have went poorly if they're just trying to tell these stories separately without them right. kind of weaving together at least physically right early on i think they do that the best when flem's character comes in because you know you kind of meet everybody and then flem goes into pricing's room then she goes out and then the baron pre-code aggressively hits on her and then otto comes over yeah. so now you're seeing all of them together but you're also seeing them all interact so even though they're all kind of they are all going to go do their own thing you're also seeing that they're building something together which carries through in a very very good, interesting, clever way. Yeah, there were definitely some twists and turns along the way, even if they're not just aggressive twists for, for story purposes. But you, I thought right away, I thought it was, oh, Baron and Flynn, look at them. They're gonna, this is a story about these two. Yep. And the chemistry, and they did. I mean, those the, 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 the actors had really good chemistry together. Would you take some dictation from me? <laughs> exactly. That's right. I thought it was going... It, Certainly in that in that direction. I like how it did it because it kind of set expectations and then really played with what you were thinking. And I, I think you nailed that. A hotel is an, is an interesting entity to use to tell a story about. You know, it's, it's especially something like an MGM Grand or, or you know, I wasn't going to get through this podcast without, without mentioning The Shining, of course. How could you Obviously. not? Obviously. But the, the concept of The Shining came from Stephen King visiting this seasonal hotel as they were closing down for the year and just saying to himself, wow, like all of these people come in through this time of year and what, I wonder what it must be like to be here when there's no one here, right? you know, and what the energy would be like uh, having a spot. And, and while this movie doesn't really do that, it does play off the energy of people coming in and out and you have the, the doctor who's just kind of like, ah, oh, none of this means anything. This hotel, people come in, they don't talk to each other, they leave, and then the new people come in. It, it is, it's, it's an interesting thematic concept of the type of energy that a place like a hotel captures. Right, if you want it. Uh, because of that, it's obviously irony that they're using the doctor for where he's moping around, oh, nothing ever happens here. And then they're immediately going to everything happening. Yeah, yeah. Know? The hotel being its own character, the hotel is the constant. So even though these things happen in the real world, how relevant are they? 
And that really brings you where then the content of the movie matters so much more, but. Greta Garbo's first build here, so I guess let's talk about her character sure. first. She plays the dancer here, who is the kind of this, this trope that Hollywood loves to talk about here. We've talked about it many times mm -hmm. in, in our artist episode, in our Birdman <laughs> episode, in our uh, American Paris episode. <laughs> it's just, and we'll talk about it again in more, in more so, to come, but it's the, the star, the waning star. Right. right. The, 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 on the downfall. Even yes. Though she was we, 27 years old. I was going to say, it's like, oh. The 27 year old. But it's about, you know, it's ballet, ballerina though. world. Yeah. So that is, there was no applause. And if there's no yeah, applause. Yeah, we used to fill the theaters and they're not, they were half full this time. And you, we're tonight, around there's the a lot. We don't have to go too much into this concept because we've done it so many times before and we'll, we'll do it again. But Hollywood does love to tell that story, that black yeah. swan story. We'll get all about Eve is the same type right. of deal. And you feel it through this character. And this is an earlier version of it. Don't get me wrong. This is earlier than every movie that I just mentioned. But she really kind of owns that role too. And it is an interesting choice in casting because you do have a former silent star who had to restructure her, her whole shtick for talkies. And here she now is in talkies playing. And one of the only successful ones to do it. And I mean, she's Swedish, so she's changing accents around. Like she became so successful outside of it. We've also talked about this. I mean, the artist episode, this was my whole run in essentially that how many people couldn't handle the change. Yeah. yeah. She, I, she did it very well. There, I, I didn't feel any kind of awkwardness with her uh, as, as far as her speaking. I agree. Um, the, could never taught that's surprising to me when when I saw that this was uh, one of her first forays into speaking. Like wow, you know that's pretty, pretty yeah. interesting. She's yeah, and she's a she was nominated for an Oscar but did not win, and she's probably most well known for the movie uh, Nanachka, which I think is a big Zeta Short favorite. That and comes up on film Twitter world a lot. Nanachka is. Um, Screenplay by Billy Wilder, I do believe. Oh, is it? I believe so. I did not know yes. that. Interesting. All right, so it's it's definitely worth a watch. Yes, yes. So her character moves pretty fast too. Very. So yep. and it's I don't I don't think this is necessarily a positive of the the movie. Um, as much as I did like her, she's uh, very very sad, and then she meets the Baron, and that kind of turns everything around very quickly after a, a pretty short conversation overnight. Right, and I don't know if I I felt their chemistry, the two of them. That was my, I like them together, but I don't think there was a strong chemistry where she goes from, I mean, suicidal to, I'm in love, can't wait to go to Vienna with you. I have enough money for both of us overnight. Like, I didn't feel that on the screen. And I think they both did a great job, but I just think that's something that needs to be a little bit more. I think I like them separately and I don't like them together. I like him better with Joan Crawford. I agree with that, Joe. I liked him better with Joan Crawford. I like Joan Crawford better than Greta Garbo. I like Joan Crawford better than yeah. I like most actors. Act <laughs> I like Joan Crawford better than I like most actresses at this point, which yeah. I was unaware of until this endeavor. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I, thought, I thought my MVP was going to be Joey's LVP, and I was getting really nervous. Hey, you always got to be scared. You always got to be scared. So but nice. yeah, so uh, for me, honestly, of the five main players... I think I liked Greta Garbo the least. I agree with you. Uh, I thought that... I, I don't think she was bad. Her I thought she was a little overacting. I thought she was the one of the five that looked like she was stage acting to me. I I agree with you that she was my least favorite of the five. Um, it wasn't even the acting. It was just the progress of the character made the least sense to me. Where I just think it was... It just was inconsistent where if it was so down... That in one minute and so high with this little intervention, then neither the low or the high means anything to me. Yeah, I, I 
but interesting. So, I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, this is interesting. Always the interesting question: Is it the character or is it the actor or actress? That's the problem. Yeah. Um, this one felt to me uh, pretty clearly that it was the character that she had to work with, mm-hmm. as opposed to the actress, um, and that's a very probably a subjective, difficult thing. But I I think you could feel her presence. I think she did a well. good job with what she was given. I just think she was given the least screen time and had to go. The biggest transition. But again, if the highs, if the lows can be adjusted to such a high so quickly, then I don't, I just don't, can't invest in the highs or the lows that much. Yeah, I thought her best work was in the final scenes of this movie, where she was struggling to find out where the Baron was, and what his whereabouts were, and everyone around her was trying to keep the information from her. I thought that was her best stuff. Her first act stuff, to me, was her weakest stuff. So, where it was the what was me style. It just seemed very stage acting. Where, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm being reminded that I'm watching an adaptation of a stage play. She was the one that really pulled me out of it in, the, in I, those moments. One of my favorite scenes of the movie was the scene with her and the Baron in the morning when she kind of says, like, I don't know that much about you. And he tells her the truth about himself and she kind of laughs it off. And then when he hands her the pearls and she's like, and she realized that, oh, he's been telling me the truth. I actually really like that yeah, scene because... I, I don't disagree with that. I, I like that scene too. But and like as much too. as I think they're missing pieces, I think that scene is super important because of how important the Baron is to the whole world of the Grand Hotel yeah. movie. That it really shows that, yes, this guy is one thing, but he's not a scumbag. Yeah, so let's talk, let's talk about the Baron next as he's the second yeah. build here. And that's John Barrymore, Drew, Drew, Drew Barrymore's grandfather. And he is, as we mentioned, a big star here. What were your takes on him, him here and in, in the introduction of him here? I loved him in this. Um, the, phones, the phone scene, I thought, again, I didn't know what was going on. So the phone scene, he's asking for money. Then next thing, he's at the front. with He's the Baron. He's, all, he's everything. So I, I was most intrigued by him at first because I think he was the least obvious of where he was based and where he was going. But I liked how he was he was interacting with everybody. He was moving with every moving within a very chaotic scene. He he kinda of holds everything together to piggyback on what you said. It's not until about thirty minutes in where it's clear what's going on with the Baron. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't really know because it does seem like on first watch that he's kind of playing the dancer. Yeah. That's what I thought at yeah. first. I was like, oh he's he's playing her. Um, but then when you go back, these are a couple things I completely missed on the first watch. Mm-hmm. There's a mention, like a fleeting mention of somebody who always rides the elevator with the dancer. And I'm pretty sure they're talking about the Baron. Yeah. And then he always talks about how he's, he never misses a show with yes. the dancer. Mm-hmm. So, and how he becomes friends with the manager of the dancer. Yes, so that's how yes. he, that's his um, for the... the The mention of a guy, quote unquote or a man in the elevator from Suzette. Too. They kind of plant the seeds that what's And that's, that's his motivation for being in the hotel. To be Correct, there. so yeah. it makes more sense that um, he would kind of express his love for real to the dancer, um, but it's real subtle. Yeah, and he's a terrible thief. You know, I mean, like he just has—he's not invested in his work whatsoever. He feels too bad for the people. He's because he's, he's not a—he's not a bad guy. He's, he's doing just, it out of necessity to stay in the hotel. He goes over so for three. Around. He goes over exactly. for three in the movie. That's I right. Think, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> the, the big L really. His partner, his partner has had enough of him too. I, you know? Why is the chauffeur not the Baron? 
Yeah. <laughs> like, switch roles, right, guys. switch roles. That's exactly right. <laughs> I watched all these twice here. Yeah. Second watch was important here. It was. Especially for the scenes with a lot of moving pieces, because very simply, that initial phone booth scene, you realize how much you miss. Yeah, I was way, way more intrigued by the Baron's character the second watch this time around. You know, it, it, the first time was what it was out there. And then the second time I was much more pulled into what was going on with him and what his dynamics were within the story. I thought Barrymore did a, did a nice job with it. A little, little too much makeup on. A lot you know, of makeup. I, that, that's, I think they were maybe trying to make him look younger. Or well, he's what, 22 I, you know. years older than... Um, yeah, so than the dancer and Flash. I never so. like noticing that because you know, I don't I don't go out of my way to 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 try to find that stuff. But that was uh, that was a little bit jarring. Guys, what'd you say? He was the kind of the glue that kept yeah. everything yeah. together here. Yeah, I think he, he keeps this he keeps this story interesting. And you know what? Like I said earlier, I didn't realize how big of a star he was. But now, if I'm looking for something to watch, I see something he's in. I would definitely check it out. I'm intrigued to see him in more. So I really liked him in this a great deal. Yeah, and he was the only one of the crew here who wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Garbo and, and Lewis Stone, who played the Doctor, were both nominated for Oscars. Yeah. And you had Lionel Barrymore, Joan Crawford, and Wallace Beery all winning the Academy Award. We'll kind of slide over to, to Joan Crawford now and her as the stenographer. The stenographer as, model. Yes. Carries around her work. That's I right. love Joan Crawford. Yeah. Super charming. Um, I think Mildred, Mildred Pierce is a must-add to my to my list now. With this. Oh, I already yeah. added to my list because of this. Yeah, I, I got to check that one out now because I wanted to see how Joan Crawford popped in it. You know, now knowing who she is coming in, and and she checked all the boxes. I thought she was, uh, I thought she was the best female performance in this by a landslide. And her, she was fantastic. Yeah, and her character was was interesting. I mean, a lot of her a lot of her scenes got cut. Because yes. of the haze code. The Europe, European version, a lot of it lasted. The American version got... Oh, is that right? So yeah. Some of it aired in the European oh, version. Yeah. Okay. But part of her... She was concerned about taking it because she thought it was too racy. I mean, the you know, right away, oh, it takes some dictation from me. And then there's literally just a scene where it's those three seconds on her legs. Yeah, I, um, lo I love how she sneaks into this guy's hotel room while he's like coming out of the shower... And he doesn't aggressive even like, stretching. Yeah, aggressive, aggressive stretching. Indeed, yeah. he doesn't even blink or wince or anything. He's just like, "Oh you? Yeah, what's that? What? Like if I got out of the shower, was drying off, and there was just someone right in front of me, I go, "Wow!" If I was doing whatever kind of stretch that was, and somebody came in, I think I'd have to <laughs> remove myself from the vicinity and never see that person again, out of pure she, mortification. She gets hit on in the most like disgusting way I've seen in, in these movies between. The, the you know praising stretching and then Otto like talking about his bathroom like come yes. see my oh my, my velvet my oh I think you'll be impressed with the velvet lining I guess maybe that was a thing in like 1930 yeah. but even hot water and everything but it's like even, oh come see my bathroom in my hotel room. but even pressing hitting Otto be like oh I have a daughter older than you. Like, come he's, on, he's, man. He's yeah. despicable. I mean, he's the heel, so, but, like, yeah. come on. I was dying to come see my bathroom. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just a desperate man. Yeah, who's very, very happy to be living in a luxurious yeah. hotel room for the well, first time. He does time not want to be where the water pumps through. Yeah. yeah, and I guess it's time to talk Otto now. I guess and, the joke's and, on me because they ended and, up together, not to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, crazy. They, they go to Paris together. Yeah. So maybe he had it all figured out. Yes. I mean, he has 14,000 marks worth of time with her. Oh, yes, the marks. So. I kind of figured out what a mark was. Oh, right. We have a... Uh, I tried. Uh, some, some, it was uh, really hard. I did the math, too. So, one year... And it's it's difficult through, going through time. Cause the marks are... I don't think they exist, they don't exist anymore, anymore, obviously. 
So it's one euro equals two marks. Okay. One euro equals right now about a dollar twenty, and going from nineteen thirty to now, it's like fifteen times. Yes. Meaning a mark is like, or is a hundred, basically those guys were throwing around like 20 grand. Right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 30 yeah. grand 30 when was, they were gambling. I had like, yeah, yeah it was about 30 grand in that gambling it, it's, alone. It's an absurd amount of money. Yeah. Like, like that, that, his 14 were, yeah. grand was yeah. like hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> if he's holding, uh, you know, a hundred marks, he's basically holding $7,500. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That, okay. That's, so that's about the, where, where... I was I doing the same thing. It was very confusing because you're going euros to marks plus 100 years. Multiply it by yeah. 80 years. And uh, Kringling, Otto Kringling, played by Lionel Barrymore, he's essentially a, a textile worker who's... He's an accountant. Who's a paycheck, works paycheck yep. to paycheck and is dying. So he decides to take the money that he has. Rips up his, rips up his will. Yep. So he's blow his, his money in the best yeah, hotel he's in the gonna, world. Right. He's going he's gonna to live out his time in, in luxury, which he uh, was unable to do throughout his life because he was a, uh, a paycheck-to-paycheck worker. A, a lowly accountant in this pressings mill. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and, and Priesting is his, is his boss that doesn't even know him because he has so many people working right. underneath him. And he's just super excited. You know, he, he doesn't get the room he wants. So he's crying in the, in the lobby. It took me uh, three days to get a room. Why'd you give me the cheap room? I didn't ask for the cheap room. Why'd you give me the cheap room? Yeah. So he gets, he gets the one with the nice bathroom that he can show off to all the ladies. Yes. And it has an art room. It has <laughs> an art room. <laughs> He loves the light switch in there, too. Yes. When we meet all these people in the lobby, I have to bring this up because we talked about this in the Cavalcade episode. We have uh, a familiar tune playing, and that's John Strauss's The Blue Danube. And we talked about that in the in Cavalcade episode because it's playing in that one. It also plays in Titanic. Mm-hmm. And it's also uh, very prominent in 2001 a Space Odyssey. This I year. love it. it, it it's used in 2001 Space Odyssey. I believe that in Wally. It's probably in Wally, too, right? I've never seen yeah. Wally still. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's a big gap for me. Uh, yes. But, I mean, Wally is obviously referencing specifically 2001 Space Odyssey. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's, uh, that's Lionel Barrymore, who I just loved in this movie. I, I thought uh, he crushed it. I, I thought his character was a lot of fun. Really good character. And I, early on, I did not know where his character was going to go and I was kind of nervous. Because I liked him, but I was mm-hmm. kind of nervous where the character would go and I really liked the way it played out and through. And he did a really good job of being a needy, lonely guy without being someone who's unwatchable. Because that could have been an unwatchable character in the wrong hands. Yeah, and we, we talk a lot here about, about drunk acting. You know, actors yes. acting like you're drunk. And I'm a pretty stiff critic of it. Um, as someone who gets drunk myself sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, I think he really nailed it in this. Like he... It, 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 and particularly from this era, it goes south really quick. Although I think we in Cavalcade, we liked... Uh, yeah, we liked, liked how our guy did it Smith. in Cavalcade. That was one of the only things that... That we liked. Yeah, right. right. That's exactly good. Right. You're, you're right. They did a. Uh, Otto was a was a good, well, good drunk. So yeah, but he, yeah, he drunk. He, yes, he, <laughs> he it was yeah. believable. Yes. It was believable that he was yeah. he was not just just right. acting. But man, himself. he the loved Louisiana flip. He loved his Louisiana flip. I have, yeah, flip. I have the, does. I have the. Well, I, I, you know what, Joe? I'll just. Well, I just read it off the top of my head because as someone who yeah. makes drinks from time to time. Oh, good. I got um, questions. Yes, yeah, this is a ridiculous drink. Uh, yeah, well, it's essentially, so what it is, is it's it's an orange-flavored drink. So you're going to get a little bit of, a little bit of orange juice. You can get a little bit of crushed ice. You're going to get the Cointreau, or you could use like a Grand, Grand Marnier. 
uh, but uh, basically you want an orange flavored liqueur. Right. Now you're going to get the, the, the raw egg here, which is yeah. not often used in drinks these days anymore. Raw eggs are kind of frowned upon by society. Yeah, I but think, it, and the health yeah. department. Yeah, I think if you like a raw egg in your drink, you're a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> now the, uh, you'll, you'll what see. What is it, froth it up? Yes, yeah, to froth it up. So it's making it nice and frothy. And you'll see it with whiskey sour sometimes. Well, you see that in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's putting the, he's putting exactly the raw exactly eggs right. into yep. the drink. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you will see so it. So you've had someone come up to you and order a Louisiana flip? No. Okay. No, no. Just, uh, no just, just I looked up what it was okay. too, but what right. I'm looking up and get a feel for okay. how I would make it if I were to make it. Because I, I was looking at the recipe and blown away that this was a thing. Yeah, I would like, say that... Spice drum and orange juice and Contro and I was just... It's just a lot. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, and, and and then rum. Yeah, right. It's a rum rum based drink. So that's like the main. But, but not a lot of yeah. rum. Um, it didn't look like no, because it's yeah, because you're using the liqueur in there too. So it's like you know, um, I think it's like a, a, a probably like a shot and a half of rum, and then a shot of the Cointreau. So Otto had like five of them, which means he had five raw eggs. Like he's yeah. gonna be sick. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, be very sick. Now, I wonder what what you know. I mean, maybe you put a little bit of Bailey's these days in to use the froth instead, because you know, bars are not serving people raw eggs. That's Good. Right. I imagine it's happening here. I imagine Department of Health's not letting you just keep <clears throat> cartons of eggs to drop into whiskey. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you're you're opening yourself up to a lot of stuff here. Yeah, but, but what? So, but so. I could kind of see putting it a raw egg white in there, but the yellow um, that would froth it up the same way. Like I don't. I'm no, having you're, you're 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 using the white. I don't think you're necessarily using the yolk. Oh, okay, but, so you are yeah. separating. That's kind of where I was having how trouble. I, to be how completely I've seen done. mostly seen. I'm listen. I I have never made a, a drink with a raw egg myself, but I've seen I have seen people make whiskey sours like that, and I usually. Or the ones that I've seen made were with the, with the egg white and not. Oh, you know, so that makes more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. because that was a big part of my. I was like, so because I, I get where the egg white would froth it up. I just the the yellow would screw it up. Yeah, I think and make it yeah. a really weird consistency. He just just have the absinthe like phlegm. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love love the look on her face when she was like, no, 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 absinthe, and make it absinthe. Yeah. He he loves his Louisiana flips though. Said Louisiana flips so many times. I gotta say so, too. Well, the bartender recommended it to him. He didn't even know what to drink, and then he just became obsessed. Yeah, I, and then I love an obsessive mind. I gotta mention this too, and it got me to thinking. I didn't look it up because I wanted to see what your instant reactions would be. But they say the word Grand Hotel quite a bit in this movie. Absurd. And, and yeah, just there. It's all over. And I think it would have to be leaders amongst Best Picture winners where they say the name of the title in it. Hundred percent. What other movies do you think? I think you know the one that came to mind. I think they probably say Titanic a lot. Mm. In Titanic, not as much as you think. They say it a few times, but not like where it feels feel, like this felt. I was very aware of each time yeah. they said it. Even at the end, when they're like, when they ask um, Otto where he's staying in Paris, he's like the Grand Hotel. They're like, and Flem goes, "Is there a Grand Hotel?" There's a Grand Hotel it's everywhere. A grand Hotel, and then you have all the operators. Grand Hotel, Grand right. Hotel, Grand Hotel. Can I get here? The the other one I was thinking maybe Farce Gump. You know, he yeah. just goes, "I'm Farce, I'm Farce, Farce Gump, Farce, okay. Farce Gump." I guess with Titanic, it wasn't as famous as it became after it sank. Right. So when you're on it, you're not like... True. Right. True. And they, they say like the ship a lot. Like yeah. they say like different... Yeah, yeah. Like, they, like there's there's one part where they talk about like this ship can take, you know, on water in this way. The ship can do this. They don't necessarily call it the Titanic. Right. Where this was just Grand Hotel. I feel like they couldn't go a scene without saying Grand Hotel. It's, it's probably Forrest Gump or maybe there's uh, other movies that are names. Patton. I'm sure they yeah. probably oh, call him General yeah, Patton that's, that's quite a bit. Right. Like Midnight um, Cowboys, not just running around calling him Midnight no, Cowboy no, every they're 30 not like, seconds. They're not, <laughs> like, they're not screaming Moonlight in the middle of the street. <laughs> moonlight! Braveheart. You didn't say Braveheart, right? Uh, I think maybe 
once in the end they say it, Like right? in the prologue, right? Yeah. Well, now Spotlight was the name of the newspaper, right? Or they were the Spotlight team? It was the Spotlight team, right? Yeah, so I'm yeah, sure they was... probably use that sometimes in that. But it would be, would be interesting to think about. I'm sure it, I'm sure it's you can easily Google it at one point. But if, I think it's more interesting to just kind of guess off the new, top of your yeah, head. Yeah, new gimmick think. while you're watching these movies. Keep it tally. Yeah, yeah that's right. So let, let's talk about, about Wallace Beery's uh, uh, precinct here. He's the heel. He's... Yeah. Basically, the married man with grown kids, and now he's uh, twenty-eight he's years hitting yeah. on his secretary, and he's lying, lying about, about deals. Holy shit! Yeah. yeah, bluffing as he puts it. It's a little more it's bluffing. Lying. Yeah, it's like contract fraud and rules of business ethics. He has <laughs> violated many. Yeah, they they plant those seeds early. I didn't notice it the first time around with with him and uh, him and the Baron. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna tell him off. Baron calls him a fat bulbous, which <laughs> I think is an incredible like, way to make fun of somebody. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Uh, yeah, they they interact early and they're pretty much fighting over Flem, but the, the seeds. But are there. even you know they even fight over Otto a little bit, and yes. you know if Baron protecting like I, right away they just those two are adversaries, yeah. and so they he, set that up, and then they go on their own ways. In in the the theme, this might be good good to talk about the themes. I think one of the ones I saw, uh, the Baron obviously needs money. Money's we, a big thing. That. That. I mean, it doesn't money is seem set. to be a theme with the dancer. Is more well, she has her and Otto have money. Right. The rest of them well, need money, but it's also a theme with Otto because he's just trying to give it away. And right. Then but Flem he has needs money, money and Praising is obviously motivated for money. And well, I mean, because money is a kind of an overriding. Praising says early on in the in his phone conversation, the phone booth, that if this deal doesn't go through, we're done. So right. while the because, I mean, and even there's a couple times where they say like, "Why are you do this?" Money, like they very clearly state money is a motivation for them. Whether the person's obsessed with money or just straight up needs money. Right, Baron can't stay there if he doesn't have more money. Right, Joan Crawford just doesn't have money. Well, it you know, seems like somebody's gonna kill the Baron if he doesn't have. Well, right, five, he needs to make five thousand dollars or else he's in 5, trouble. Five thousand marks. Five thousand marks. But even I mean, Flem eats one meal a day, and when he says why, she goes, "Money." That's her answer for. Right, eating. she can't afford clothes, right. stuff like that. She can't afford to eat. Yeah, and I mean, as we're talking about themes, I mean, I have to think a lot of those themes are representative within the hotel itself, and the hotel kind of uh, representing how we choose to live our lives and how much meaning we're going to take out of it through the doctor when he, you know, who's kind of, he's kind of the overseeing force in this movie. He's just commenting. He's a grump. Yeah. He's I mean, like, yeah, he had grump. half his face burned off in World War One. Yeah, I'm still, assuming. He's still a failed overseer. He, yeah. This guy's broke. This guy's drunk. And he's just kind of nothing. They like, just yeah. doing nothing. Um, nothing. It, it, and when we kind of we learn that you know Otto is is more or less here. Here we are. You know, I'm I'm living my life for the first time, and the doctor more or less is you know doing his whole. It's uh, always the same. People come, people go. Nothing ever happens. And I think if what, what one of the main points here is is that the hotel represents a place where people just go because they have to be there, and that's where they have to go. And then they just come and they go and there's no meaning and there's there's a redundancy to it. Right. And I think that they're playing off the redundancies of day-to-day life and how you live your life. And Otto's obviously the character that, that breaks out and says, you know, hey, I'm, I'm finally living life for the first time here. I have this quote here from uh, from the doctor. And this is kind of in the middle. Because uh, he, he says this in the beginning, he has his little brief thing in the end. Same thing at the end. And what do you do in the Grand Hotel? Eat. Sleep, loaf around, flirt a little, dance a little, a hundred doors leading to one hall, 
No one knows anything about the person next to them. And when you leave, someone occupies your room, lies in your bed, and that's the end. And obviously, yeah, he's the ominous tone in this. Yeah. And I don't think that he, his, his is the point. I think the point more lies in the Kringling, the Otto Kringling char- character, yes. which is, the you know, exception. if you, and that'll be my, my quote later with, with him, but it's if you, if you have the balls to live life, it's a wonderful thing. That's paraphrasing what he right. says when we I get to, to the quote. Um, so that, that's kind of what I got out of this thematically. That's fair. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think there's themes. That it's money. It's loneliness. It's trying to do something different. It's you know there's companionship. It's being. It's really sometimes desperation. And can you do something different? Because for Otto, never danced in public before, never gambled before, like all these things where he's able to kind of break the mold and do something different. And I think that exactly what you said. Yeah, and we'll look at the dancer too. You Greta Garbo's character. Nothing, absolutely nothing, changes about her situation except for her perspective. Of yes. It. This is in the beginning. She's this is horrible. The 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 theater. You want to talk about a glass half empty, glass half full. Theater half empty, theater half yeah, full. Yep. Our theater's half empty. I'm not filling. I'm not the star that no I used applause. to be. No one. Yeah, they weren't applauding the way they were. And when she finds love and she meets someone, then all of a sudden she's looking at it like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get back on stage. I can't wait to get back on tour. Because, the Vienna deal is going to be back. Right. I'm going to go. I'm going to bring him with me. It's going to be fun. Because and her value like, comes from someone else. There's no internal value. It's all external. And it's strictly perspective. Yep. That's all it is. Her situation is not changed whatsoever. Her attitude about her situation. Because her value, she's not able to value from the inside. It has to all be from the outside. Whether she's being applauded for, is this man giving her attention, is this... Person, you know, be Suzette isn't really giving her positive attention. Suzette's more of an anxiety inducer for her because whatever the yeah. hell she's put her through. But because of her perspective, the way that next dance goes, when she comes back to the hotel, she's getting flowers. Everybody wants to be with her because her attitude changed. So her dance was probably better and more engaging because she wasn't just going through the motions. Yeah. She's now feeling it. She's now engaged. And the reaction's different. Now they can't, they're selling out Vienna. Yeah. And her low point is when. She no-shows. Mm-hmm. She's replaced. And it goes on. And no one notices. Yeah, nothing changes. It went on without and me. they're going, wow, it went on without me. No one's talking about it. No one knows. No one cares. She needs a better assist. Suzette was talking shit from, from the start. Yeah. <laughs> Suzette was trash. I liked her manager who was yeah. just fed up with her at the end. Okay, you're finished. That's it. I'm, I'm moving on. Done. You violated the contract. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. You know what? I'm kind of happy to. This is because uh, I'm over this. Like, let's move on here. Getting through the movie, my, my actual, one of the scenes we didn't talk about, which is actually the, my scene of the movie, is, is the scene in the bar where all the, uh, all the characters kind of come back together after a lot of the story is told. Um, this is where Otto keeps ordering his, uh, his, flip. his flips, where we mentioned uh, Flem is ordering her, her uh, absinthe, where we finally get the kind of tease of Otto and Flem, which we come back to later. It's, Otto's it's first dance of, in public. Yeah, and, and then the, another interaction between Flicks and uh, uh, the Baron and, and Praising, mm-hmm. which kind of sets tone for the end. So this kind of, I think this scene is the one that... Super like Nexus this, Point yeah, movie. This is like scene. kind of the jumping off point for the end of the movie, but it's also the big kind of culmination of Otto standing up for himself, getting his courage, kind of learning what he... He gets like, strangled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, which they foreshadow in, in those... Yes. Uh, in those yeah telephone booth scene so yeah I'm gonna yeah. tell him off one day yeah. I know he stays here but I like the way he tells him off sorry Greg and they bounce while the, the bar scene starts without praising and they go to him negotiating his deal right which how the, how did he flip that I still couldn't figure out how he, he flipped lied. that deal but those people 
those people back down so yeah, well, yeah, because was, that was the worst negotiation. Yeah. Oh, 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 you have somebody else. Okay, take whatever we and want. They well, because the because that was the big cotton, the cotton deal for the textiles that it was such what Manchester cotton. So yeah. I guess that they thought it was this big international deal that they were Jeez. able to break. But I mean, it, we're talking about a deal made on a deck of cards. The biggest fight was who initiated who, which. Right, guys. Right. With, with way, way to fold <laughs> right away. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's it's a fun scene watching uh, Otto go after Precing and and have him just real really sound off. And you know, Joel, you mentioned earlier, you know, it, it, a lot of that Otto character could in the wrong hands could really not have been delivered well because mm-hmm. it's, it's, yes. well, it's an over the top character. I mean, there's no but there's it's no over the top in a listen. It's a it's a guy who's lived a very sad, isolated life. Who for the first time is getting out there and he's saying "fuck you" to his boss. Yeah, and he went at it because you know what? The other thing is he just danced with the prettiest girl in the room. He's living. He's spending money like crazy. He's getting his Louisiana flips. He's drinking raw he eggs is, without a care. He is giving world. himself diarrhea for days with raw eggs, and he is going <laughs> at it. I just the, the merge. I just the, the generic merger. Thing. <laughs> funny to me. Yeah, no, and I'll give. I'll cut it a lot of slack because it is nineteen thirty. Two thirty-three, but oh, the merger, the merger, right. the <laughs> fucking merger. I had trouble about? with the stakes here yeah. because, like, you know, he's an he's a textile industrial titan yeah. who's making a fake deal with Manchester Cotton, making the, then in this room negotiating with this unnamed force of industry right. that we don't even know. So it all. It was very funny. Who, who and smokes just, five cigarettes and then just backs down to, to praising. It, I, I think the whole point was just like praising's a bully. Yeah, praising's yeah. gonna push no, his I, way. It's it's just I don't want to be too hard on. That's it why I, it's not. It's not. The that's, details are yeah, so. But I, this is why I loved Otto really standing up to him next time because these big important people are folding to mm-hmm. praising, but this one of a hundred bookkeepers is now the one telling him about himself. And really put him in line. And I really like that dichotomy of these these ballless negotiators with this now, this guy who's been just kind of done some stamps to his whole life, sadly, who's now just really going at him, which is good for him. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, mentioned this a little bit in themes with money, and I know this is a, this is a German novel, yes. and it was a, 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 made into a German play, and then translated over to English and, and popularized in America on Broadway. And eventually at MGM through the movies. But you you can't ignore the fact, and I mentioned this in the intro, that this is released in the heat of the Great Depression. That's I mean, that, very much that so. has to that be in the back of everyone's mind watching this movie the first time in 1932. Especially how we're done if this merger doesn't go through. Like, yeah. And the fact that literally every one of them at some point says the word money. Yes, so, and and, and the, yeah. the the desperation in the characters and the, the people around the dancer needing the tours to go well. The, and again, we are in Europe here, so it's not we're not in America, but it's being delivered to an American audience. So right. the, the, a lot of this stuff matters in their delivery. Well, in the historically, movie. we're in a weird time because the depression is going on, and we're a year away from some pretty significant political things going on in yeah. Germany. So there's a lot where it's just you know yeah. you have to awareness of historical times right here matters. Yeah. So That's I a, think the desperation, the financial desperation of all these characters is probably even more palpable. Unbelievably good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's post World War 1, pre World War 2. We're a year before yeah. the Nazis take which over. Which that Germany is just devastated right. economically after yeah. World War 1. Right. Great point. Germany has no money. <laughs> 
great point. You've changed my mind on like three things. We're taking, <laughs> right, we're so taking another a, cheers. Yeah, another Jaeger for that one. Yeah, it's good. Ooh. Well, that one hit worse. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you the light one too. I'm not going to be no. invited back. Yeah. Uh, we get a. Uh, we talked about some of the similarities of the Sting too. We do get a big poker scene in this too. Or is uh, it, are, are they playing? No, poker? they're playing they Baccarat. Play, they're playing Baccarat. Okay. Know the rules. I don't understand Baccarat. I have tried. Yeah. I once played Baccarat very drunk, and the guy said he would teach me. It was in Atlantic City, and what happened was I lost a couple hundred dollars, and I did not learn Baccarat. There you go. That's that's kind of how I uh, my first introduction with, with craps was the same way. It's like I'll show you how to play, and then literally two and a half minutes later, I lost. And I had no idea how to play. So sure. Like, you know, See, craps. I under, I could play craps all day. I understand every minute. Baccarat makes zero sense. Doesn't matter. I'm I didn't a, even understand uh, it in this movie because I thought it seemed like Flix was doing the Baron was doing well, and then all of a sudden he's got no money. I'm no like, money. That sucks. But then. Baccarat requires you to like score the yes. game with a pencil and paper, like even in the I casino. I don't want four, th- three. Yeah, there's a lot of scoring. It's yeah, that's too things. much for me. I, but then Otto wins thirty five hundred marks. Yeah. I was like, I have a nine. Everyone's like, Oh, you win. I was like, Oh, that's an easy. Well, game. clearly they wanted nines. But the other thing was, did anyone else react when they actually saw that marks were just eight by ten printed pieces of paper? <laughs> I mean, I had nothing to base it on. So well, neither did I. But I did not think that's what money would look like ever. Yeah. <laughs> listen, when I go to the if I go to the casino, I'm keeping it simple. It's it's poker, which is my favorite thing to do. But it's just a little time consuming. It's a little, it's a little antisocial too, because you kind of go in the room yeah. and you're playing against a bunch of strangers and all that. Or or blackjack. Blackjack's See, kind of the easiest way. Or I, I like roulette too. I do I do enjoy roulette. I go blackjack or craps. Poker, I only want to play with like at like a friend's house. Um, we've talked about it in BPC episodes with the classic games at Artie B's house. Oh, we used, we used to, play. to yeah. Yeah. Um, those were a blast. We got to get that going again. Why yeah, wasn't yeah. I invited to that? You were. You never wanted to come. No. I invite you every week. Post Baccarat, though, from the post Baccarat through him going down and needing the doctor, were my least favorite auto scenes when he's trying to get these strangers to keep playing with him. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was the only time. I know he's like an annoying character, but like I appreciated what he was doing. That was the only time where I felt the. It was an annoying performance. It was too much. Yeah. yeah. Like, it didn't work because you want all this money. Oh, I've never played before. I mean, he's, like, holding the guy's arms. Like, I, I was fine when he's holding the Baron's arm because he never had a friend before. Baron said he'd be his friend. So, fine. Like, I get it. I understand that that psyche of it. But now these are just strangers he's playing a game with. This does lead into my quote of the movie here, though. And uh, I have it here. And this is from uh, Otto Kringling here. And uh, he says... For the first time in my life, I've gambled and danced. You gentlemen can laugh, but for the first time in my life, I've tasted life. Life is wonderful, but it's very dangerous. If you have the courage to live it, it's marvelous. I just thought kind of a nice little... I like uh, that. It's, it's, a, it's a direct way to deliver a theme within the movies. Just talking, proclaiming out loud uh, the arc of his character. But, you know, I, I, I dug it. It's just it. sad, though. Like, what this guy... This guy was a bookkeeper, probably went home to... a small apartment somewhere in Germany and just this is what it was and just getting abused by his blowhard boss never work to live live to work never never danced never gambled never had a friend I mean Baron Baron I, I'm your friend I can talk to you whenever you're talking to your other friends well what's interesting too and I think a lot of this movie you can look at the perspective of the characters where you have Barrymore uh, well they're both Barrymore of course yeah. but uh, they, you have uh, the Baron say I don't have any friends you know, yeah. it just says it's so cool and so confident and so calm where 
I was like, well, I'm your friend now, right? I'm your friend. Where you it, said it. You it said it over so, here. Yeah, it meant so much to, to Otto, and it's just it's just not a priority for the yeah, Baron. Because the Baron makes friends everywhere he goes. Right. So he's yeah. like, I don't really have because he's just everyone's his friend. Yeah. I don't right. really has no friends. So he's like, no. The Baron doesn't know how not to become friends with people. Right. Right. Like yeah. he's But you know well, and except they, praising because they didn't get along right away. So But that Baron went into it. Before we ever saw Baron and Praising together, he called him that fat so neighbor. So Baron didn't want to. He approached it differently. He did. He pulled back the charm and was more attacking with him. So let me ask you this. I get a little question because there's a bit of a love triangle. There's a few love triangles in this one, but, but between the Baron and the dancer, mm-hmm. and now the Baron and the stenographer Joan Crawford's character Flem. What 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 did what did you make of it? We said we liked the chemistry between those two actors. John Barrymore and Joan Crawford. What, what, what did you make of the budding... Was it a budding romance between those two characters? Where they kind of had a... They had a, a... They had an electricity between them. Absolutely. Was there anything there? Yes, I think, I think there was. There was more depth to their back and forth because I think there was a real like connection with them for whatever reason where it felt more forced, which Greg correctly said earlier about... The Baron and the Dancer felt more shallow because it was more... It didn't make sense much. Um, Did you take it as those characters hooked up? I take it... Or was it just sexual tension? I think it was sexual tension. I think that... I think story-wise, they did not hook up. But because at the bar scene, which we didn't talk about... At the bar scene, numerous times, Flem says, You're different than yesterday. You're different than yesterday. And I think she wanted to hook up with him, which I doesn't make sense in the movie. And what we see, he becomes more obsessed with the Dancer... Over Flem, where initially the Baron is the pursuer. Once the overnight happens with the right, Baron, where Baron gets drawn toward now. Flem becomes the pursuer. Did, uh, Oz, did you take it as those two characters hooked up? No. It was, it was so you. You looked at it as strictly sexual tension. Yes, I. Which I think I agree with. Think they were feeling each other out to see how they could use each other as well, especially early mm. on, because I. Obviously, the Baron was in a tough spot. He's almost robbing everybody. Right. He tries to rob <laughs> He's attempting. And I, he connects that this stenographer is working for a big businessman. I think he's kind of kind of using his, his charisma to poke around kind of thing. Yeah. So, and she also, I don't, she's so desperate to work, so desperate to have money. She's upset when she can't go to the Manchester. She's not she's going, England, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, She's not going to England. She can't eat. She sees a baron. has got money. And she's kind of feeling around, too, to see how he can get... There is something there, but I think it was more they could kind of feel on how they could use each yeah. other. And they're, they're both, both opportunists, particularly yeah, her. She's exactly. a young... Yeah. She's a young, almost, you know, an exhibitionist in a way, too, where she's... Yeah. Hey, I'm a, I mean, she's showing I'm the a, picture. Yeah, I'm a typist, but I have uh, a model. Figure. I do... Th- you know, she's a, listen, she's a young girl who's who's out looking for opportunities. You so, know? so then let me ask you guys a question, then, because so then after the... Praising Baron incident happens mm-hmm. when Baron's kind of talking it out to Otto and his, you know, his story. He says, She set me up with him, like that she was there to distract him from the Baron. Like, do you, well, we know that's not what it, what happened, but you know, how much, how much validity is that to it? Were they using each other in that way? Not, I know that was not the plan because the Baron was a terrible thief, as we all discussed, 
But was that something that inadvertently happened because they were trying to use each other a little bit? I don't. I, I think that materialized as it went. Yeah. They kind of got together and said, "Here's something that we can do here." I don't, okay. I don't know that that was both on there. I, I agree on, with you. Yeah. I'm just as we're talking about it. I'm thinking. I think that she she came up with the idea to steal him through the Baron, okay. where the Baron kind of you know kind of tilted her mind in that direction. I don't think that she was overtly from the start saying, I'm going to steal from this guy. Okay. Where I think it was more of like, I'm going to live off, I'm going to, I'm going to get some opportunities off this guy. This, right, guy's, a, this guy's going to be a way, to, well, this guy being, being, being Priestling right. is going to well, give Well, she says a, she needs shoes, she needs a dress, she needs yeah. a suit, and she asked for a thousand marks. Yeah. So, okay, I, I agree with you, but as we're talking about it, I'm just trying to make sure I'm seeing it the whole, the whole way. So I guess I this is as good a time as any to bring this up. I, I think she's using Otto. I don't buy that as a real thing. I agree. All. Yeah. 100%. And but, I, I also think but, Otto's fine being used because I think he wants to spend his money on someone he could give his money to because he's never had companionship. He says it flat out. He's like, you can have this now right. and you can have the rest after. She's like, after what? She's like, well, no, no I'm sick. I'm yeah, die, so, so I think I think he's okay being used because, listen, Joan Crawford wants to come use me for now that I'm fucking <laughs> golden. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Jaegermeister talk. Yeah. No, it's not. I tell him whatever he wants. <laughs> he, has it, he has it written down there in his notes. Right? <laughs> 27-year-old Joan Crawford could rob me. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty clear to you guys. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah, and I think they're using each other in the sense that... He's using her for companionship yeah, at the end of his life. Because we don't know... So the one never thing been to Paris, right? Never right. been to Paris. Never the one Paris. thing we don't know, though, the, the conversation we hear with is his with his lawyer. He says, "Rip up the rip up the will. There's nothing they can do. I'm going to spend all my money." So, I assume it was for a sibling. Like that was my assumption. But now he has this girl. He gets to give his money to, and yeah. so they are using each other for different things. And I think they're both very aware of what it is. That's why they both leave the hotel so happy. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the murder scene. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this for a second here. What were your thoughts on this as a whole? I was shocked. Me too. Yeah, it, it, came out of, it came out of nowhere. I did not remember it. Really? I didn't. Like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I I was like, oh, God, someone dies in this? I don't remember that at all. You know, like I. The, I, the number one. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, I mean, 10 years, a lot can, <laughs> sure, yeah. you know, a lot goes by in, in, a lot in of viewings. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so that was that one kind of like reshocked me a little bit too. Now, I'm not defending praising because he's obviously a terrible person, but you can only try to steal from somebody so many times before you know, yeah, th- things are gonna happen. Now, well, maybe uh, he didn't deserve to die, but he's gotta stop trying to steal from people. So, you are our BPC uh, in house legal expert, okay. here. yes. What is the because this is just Kind of, you know, I had to, I couldn't help but think about this. The Baron is in Priestling's room. Yes. Stealing from him. Yes. Priestling, you know, I guess there is a conversation before the death. I don't know if there's witnesses to that. Yes, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he beats him and, and kills him in the beating. What, what are the, you know, he could get off on that. Well, right? he, in, in, we're talking current day America, obviously, uh-huh. right? Well, let's like, start there. Yeah, because yeah. I don't know any right, 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 thirty right, Germany right, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but he, if he spun the story correctly and there was no one there to dispute it, yeah, he could have got off that because he could have said, "Oh, a, a guy was in my room stealing my stuff. I felt threatened." Yep. And he came after me. And yeah, it was so self defense. He probably ends up with a low manslaughter. And th- no, <laughs> and then not even because then Baron's obviously got this history of doing that, and it's like, oh well, you know, the guy was in his room, and he, even though this didn't happen in the movie, oh, he was threatened, he felt threatened. Yeah, yeah, he's he's entitled to to 
protect himself. But he's not gotta, with murder. Tweak, it's equal and opposite. No, he's got to tweak the story, though. He has to change yeah. the story. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to tweak the story. What happens? No, because he didn't have to. He wasn't under any. He wasn't in any physical threat. So you clearly excessive force. Yes, you yeah. can't kill somebody over the property. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. You can kill somebody. Like, he needed to plant a gun or a knife. No, not necessarily. Well, he, because there's not self-defense in... New York, New York, at least. Well, if you right. if you feel if you feel they broke in your room, yeah, but yeah. still it has to be equal force to kill. Right, but it, the, he didn't kill him with his with a gun though. He kill, killed him with his hands with a phone. With a So, oh, this guy was coming after me with a lamp. Right. He's yes, it's lies. Yes. He's gotta, yes, he's got to tweak the yeah. story. And if he doesn't have yes. witnesses, it's a correct. It's a, and right. and the, the dead guy who's been stealing from everybody. Yeah, the hotel thief. Yeah. I didn't even know that so, was an occupation we'll, we'll before this. Seems like a good <laughs> occupation. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, whatever. If he pulled out a gun and shot him, yeah, that would have no chance. But right. you know, actually beating him with the with the phone and with his hands that makes it reasonable. He's got. You know, he didn't seem to care though. He was like. Oh, don't tell my wife that I, like, may have had a crush on my stenographer. <laughs> yeah. He like, didn't care about, like, getting the cops. He was, I mean, when they put the handcuffs on, he was like, are these necessary? Let's yeah. be honest. In, uh, uh, a rich uh, businessman in 19... 19- you know, thirty-two Germany. He, he, he's probably out of jail. He's like, gonna be all right. Yeah, he got a misdemeanor assault charge and a fine. No, the scene itself, and if I'm going to go out of my way to compliment the movie for its its set pieces and its uh, portrayal of the hotel, and uh, I thought one of the best shots of the movie was the shot of the the seven floors of the hotel down. You know, mm-hmm. and, and seeing each yeah. le- level from above. If I'm going to go out of my way to praise all of those things, making it not feel like a play, this scene was your token stage play murder. Yes. I mean, it was, you know, everything uh, goes yes. black, yeah. and there's bang, 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 and then off you the never screen, someone's dead. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you never see you the never body. See it, it was just like like any any small production you've ever seen, that's yep. how a murder goes. 100%. So, so that, that, could have been, uh, that could have been done a little better. Yeah, I, I thought that would... There was a scene that I think sh- I was shocked it happened because I just didn't think that we were going murder. But I think as a scene, I think it was it was just oddly put together. Yeah, it was a little clunky. Yeah, yeah. a little clunky. It happened yeah. quick. It was kind of like yeah. I don't want to say it wasn't earned, but it was like it was it was just oddly paced. The build up to a phone being slammed against a guy's head was a quick jump. Like put, put right. like yes. add a little yes. bit more. They, they they did plant the seeds and maybe they did it a little too subtle, a little too subtle, for ending up at murder, as far as them feuding with each other. I mean, it was there throughout the, the whole movie. And, and also was, the the um, the confrontation that Priesting had with with Otto. Clearly, right. you saw his yes. tempers rise. And yep. I just loved him calling him annoying over and over again. This man is annoying. Yeah, he's annoying. He's Priesting. No, he pushes does, buttons. He does yeah. whatever he wants because well, he can. Right. Hundred percent. Like I, I think that like if they could have added like thirty more seconds, I think it would have made more sense. But I think it just kind of the yeah. flow was wrong. I mean, if, if we talk about how this movie ends up and how they, you know, how they wrap this this whole thing up here, I had to kind of watch this more closely my second time, as I was like taking notes today, because the movie ends very quickly. Yes, like it's it, it it's it, climax I, over by design because they they quickly bring in the new people coming the to honeymooners, stay in those which rooms. I really like the honeymooners because it goes back to the doctor's point. But climax to end is very tight. 
Yeah, it, it, it they, they're playing that theme of just one person out, another person in, boom, here we go. I liked the Greta Garber stuff in the end of her looking for the Baron, she's back in. You know, at this point, you've almost forgotten about her as a character. Right. She's back in, she's looking for him again, they're doing everything they can to not have her realize it. And right. I was waiting for someone to say it and to get this dramatic final scene from her, and I'm really grateful that they didn't Me go too. that Because right. that, that just would have been... It just would have been another like I mean, okay yeah, here we Hollywood, go yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. or or series stage play yeah. you know like it's it was just, unnecessary. Oh, Greta Garbo needs her final dramatic scene yeah, right and shuffling her off into the car and he'll meet you there he'll meet you in Vienna he'll be on the train he'll be on the I really liked that me too and, and I liked the 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 subtle ends of Avado and I like that she'll never uh, know. Flem yeah that they just cut it yeah she'll, yeah she'll probably never know I'm sure maybe she'll twist someone's arm into telling him at some point in Vienna but. Uh, Otto and Flem kind of going off uh, together too was cool. We didn't we didn't mention Otto looking for his his lost wallet. Oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah I, as someone who has misplaced his wallet <laughs> once or twice, I have weeped and sobbed like that before. For, you know, like I just have to find it. For, I can't for, afford to lose my 14, wallet. Fourteen thousand marks. <laughs> if my calculations are correct, it's like hundred thousand yeah, dollars. I have never carried that much money in my bank account, let alone my wallet. So I don't, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't quite know how that feels like. I mean, when I can't find my AirPods, you're definitely going to catch me weeping on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, those, are, those, are those, must, those are going to be like 100 I marks. I simply yeah, must have them. I do, can we talk about Senf? The uh, head. Yeah, yeah Senf. Yeah, the, we, we, we never we, really got, you know, he, he had the baby. He had the baby boy. Right, he more or less bookends the movie, yeah. too, where you see we him. We see him nowhere in the middle. Yeah. I feel like there, maybe there's a... Uh, Director's uh, cut. Uh, yeah, there's a cut somewhere that because he's in the beginning and he's he's, I, he yeah. he's built also. Yeah, yeah. He's built yeah. in the in I, the front. I just he's just a guy anxious about his baby coming. At the end, the baby comes and then he lies to Greta Garbo and they all move on. Well, he also sucks at reading people, right? Because yes, he was, <laughs> he was complimenting uh, the Baron's honesty. Yep. Right? How honesty? He's, right. how he's honest an honest man. I know him. Yeah, yeah. Because they were like, oh, he was murdered. They said he was stealing. No, I, yeah, I, he, I he was a good man. Hopefully, he doesn't pass that gene down to his new child. Yeah. Right. His inability to, to read people. I really like the honeymooners coming, taking yeah. the car. They're very happy because they're coming into. I hope they're not going to room one sixty six. Might have a shining example <laughs> right there. So. They're, they're just trying to say that. But, oh, here's a new set of stories. Yeah. While the doctor is, you know, complaining about like it. They, they might find the, the the Baron naked in a bathtub coming right. to life. We've cut this one pretty well, guys. Do you have anything else we're we're gonna throw on top here? No, I think with with the the end um, with Otto and and this was my quote too. And he says, "Oh, we'll go to the Grand Hotel in Paris." And Flynn goes, "How do you know there's a Grand Hotel in Paris?" Says, oh, there's a Grand Hotel everywhere in the yep. world. I think it's kind of got that. American sitcom Anytown USA vibe. Right. Yep, it's, yeah. it's hard to like compare this Grand Hotel movie to like the Wonder Years, but it kind right. of has like <laughs> a, a, a vibe like that where it's just a story in a place that could happen anywhere, anywhere. and everywhere. Right. And that, that's what. So it makes was. it more relatable and it makes it work. Yeah. I like it. It, it could, yes. Which is also my recommend, The Wonder Years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, The Wonder Years. The entire series. Think of anything else? Anything the dog. Anything? The dog. But, but, oh, yeah. Shout out yeah, to the dog. What a well-behaved. What a good good boy. Well, He's I, just I, a good boy. I, I wanted more. I needed more. Also, what, where did he end up? Can Who's you take over? Can you just walk to a hotel, give a bellhop your dog, and say walk until he's exhausted? Like... Yeah. I mean, in, in I Berlin I do, in the 30s? I don't, I don't know. think I could do that at the Marriott off of yeah. Northern, or Northern State. Yeah. Real cute dog. Real Great cute. dog. Yeah. So I think we're up to the awards now. 
it's time. Right. And uh, before we get there, we I know everyone was lining up on social media to submit questions about the Grand Hotel. We're going to get um, a lot of questions after this. Yeah. We'll come back. We did get one. Yeah. And uh, I have it here. And it's from Gabe Guarin. Gabe runs the Alternate Oscars The Joker podcast. Yeah, the, the Alternate Oscars podcast is, uh, is up and running. And so we'll explain that. Check that out. Like, I, you know, uh, about movies that did not win? Yeah, so essentially what he does is, and I think he's starting from the start. Yeah. I think he's probably three or four in, but he starts so at starting, the, like 19, yeah, 28. 20. Him and his, ho- his co-host for that week will basically rewrite the nominees. So they go through like, the whole thing. Yeah, they go through, they oh, watch the movies cool. of the year, yeah. and they'll pick who they would have had in their... Actor lineup, their actress lineup, their director lineup, their best picture I'll lineup. Like white yeah. slate stuff. It's, yeah. it's it's a it's a smart concept. Yeah. And I do believe I'll be going on there with uh, with Gabe. Doing thirty five, right? Here. I think that's the plan right nice. now. I've already started watching some of these nineteen thirty five movies. I have a lot of a lot of uh, Grand Hotel type movies. But at least you get mutiny. You're mutiny yes, I get to defend to, uh, mutiny and the bounty and, and and defend the honor of mutiny and the bounty. So I'm excited about that. Might have to do that today. And just uh, and just because you have mutiny and the bounty as one of those movies that won best picture and only best picture, yeah, I'll be happy one. to give it a couple more wins. And there's only three that's done that. Uh, yes, there's only three. I don't know, we didn't quite mention that. So with mutiny and the bounty. It is Grand Hotel, and another movie we've already covered. In a favorite of the pod. A Broadway Melody, yes. And I also have the pleasure of watching another Broadway Melody movie. <laughs> well, Broadway Melody of 1935. Yeah. Great. You watched so it already? Is, uh, I'm in the process of watching it. It's much more, it's much more bearable than, than uh, the, the Broadway Melody of 1929. However, this Broadway Melody series of the early 30s is how, how this was their Fast Five or their, their <laughs> the Fast, Fast and the Furious movies. series. I don't quite understand. Here, I have a question for you then. Yeah. So those three movies that only won Best Picture, nothing else. Yes. Do you think that ever happens again? Ooh. I, I think it's extremely unlikely just because this, this, the Academy these days likes to spread the wealth a little bit and likes to let a bunch of movies win a few awards but that being said i wouldn't be stunned if it didn't happen again particularly with the fact that there's 10 nominees now or eight to 10 nominees or whatever it is is that i could see in a year where things are kind of split and the one that wins some of the technical awards versus the one that wins the screenplay awards versus one wins the acting awards that a movie sweeps in and and that's what they win i think like a year like this past year would have been a year where that could have happened I mean, or something like the father, like that's all that it wins. Right. Are there significantly more categories now than there were? There are, okay, yeah, that's there are. and that's what, supporting that's actor and main... actress being a huge one, which yeah. is what really affected yeah. this and Mutiny on the Bounty. It yeah. did not affect Broadway Melody. New, no, new, no. and all, um, all three of those years are thirty-five and earlier, and all three of those years were before that's, the supporting actor yeah, category came in the mix. We'll, we'll, Along so it's extremely unlikely that it happens again, but I wouldn't rule anything out. I really wouldn't, okay. you because know, you, you see these wacky things happen. Fair enough. Um, but uh, let me get to Gabe's question here. And Gabe's question Sorry. was, Sorry, Gabe. what other nominees did it deserve? Which is, you know, a fair a fair question, um, particularly a movie. That, I mean, this, you know, the Bounty had a ton of nominees. It just only won one. Right. Well, they, they just... They cancel each other out, unfortunately. But also, was nominated for score. Yeah. Was nominated for cinematography. Was yeah. nominated for you know, a, a bunch of uh, bunch of things. So, in this one, what, what stands out of you? Anything about this movie that you think could so, have been nominated? I haven't seen a ton of these, uh, you know, other movies that mm-hmm. were nominated. But I think editing, 
cinematography were all things it could have been nominated for this year? I'm with you on editing. I mean, that's fair. I thought the movie was edited pretty nicely. Yeah, I mean, I, they had a lot of different think, stories intertwined. It's, it transitioned well. It never felt punky. You were never aware. Like, I, I think it did a really good job The there. main stars were never all on screen together yeah. at one time. So I think editing is important yeah, in that I regard. Agree. So that's a good, editing's a good call, Joe. I want to throw set design out there. I mean, I'm, I would imagine to think that the other nominees for set design were probably pretty strong. Well, that's why this didn't get in. But I thought that the hotel itself was one of the strengths of this movie. And it, it kept it from being just, just an average stage-to-screen flick mm-hmm. that's, just, that's just script-heavy. Right, you know, uh, I that's one of the things that popped out too. I I really like the score of this movie. I thought they, the music fitted extremely well, kind of as the the background of what was going on. It reminded me. I know um, Mank wasn't a movie that everyone loved, and uh, totally understandable. But the score of that movie was incredible. It's my favorite part. Nobody argued. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's pretty much inarguable. And it, Best part. It kind of this had the Mank score vibe to me. Yeah, interesting. It, just, it wasn't like overt music but it just kind of like played in the background and it really moved everything so I think score uh, staying away from actor and because we could argue John Barrymore as best actor uh, staying away from that though it's acting score. is tough yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I the first ensemble maybe like uh, if, if the if the supporting actor spot was there I thought that Lionel Barrymore could have gotten something mm-hmm. I thought that Joan Crawford could have gotten a, yeah. a nod. Being that Garbo never won, I don't think nominating her would be a terrible thing, although I don't really necessarily I don't think, she think she deserved it. I also don't this. think she really deserved it. I don't think it was good enough for, for a, a nominee there. She but, would have had to go supporting in this, I think. Yeah, and it, it, it just, I you know, this kind of strikes me as like none of their best work. You know, so it's okay. kind of, it's yeah, hard to, to do that. That's fair. I'll stick with the score. I didn't think of Awards. editing. That's a good, that's, yeah. that's a smart one, Joe. Um, I guess when we get to, when we talk about the other nominees at the end, maybe right. we'll yeah. we'll kick around what the other nominees for for uh, set design and score. And, Absolutely, and then, we'll, then we might have a bigger idea. If like set design was more period, like big epic, then it might make more sense. Yeah, we thank Gabe for the question there, and you can check out the alternate Oscars podcast. As I said, I will be on there, and um, I don't know if I will have been on there by the time this airs or not, but it's uh, it's worth checking, especially if you're into like those old classic movies. And I'm sure by the time he gets to the movies of of the later years, like the 70s, it's going to be super interesting and, and whatnot. So I love Gabe's, the concept uh, of that. Yeah, Gabe's doing a good job over there with listen, that. Listen to Best Picture Cast first and then listen yeah. to that. <laughs> well, of course, yes, yes. This is what we, you know. What we, Once you've we, listened we, to we, all the Best Picture yes. Cast, we do yes. recommend yes. it. That's alternate Oscars. They're up on all platforms. You can check that out. Uh, so let's talk, about the, uh, let's talk about the BBC Awards and where we're going with this. Uh, we always start off with MVP. We also do LVP. We do Participation Award. We do Time Machine Recast. We do scene of the movie, amongst others, but uh, let's start with MVP. Oz. Joan Crawford. Amongst the stars, she stood out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Joe? Yeah, so um, I was between two. Joan Crawford was one, um, but I ended up going with John Barrymore. Mm. Just because I think he really held everything together in a way that could have been lost with a lesser performance. The makeup was definitely something that was problematic, but I blame um, other people, not him. Um, but Joan Crawford was right there. But I went John Barrymore. Yeah, that's a great call. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I, it, I really, between um, Crawford, Barrymore, and I, I really think Wallace Barry did a great job. Agreed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Too. absolutely. Um, Otto was, 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 was good as he well. He was supporting. Um, but he was supporting. Yeah. And we spoke about Greta Garbo. I think she was the, the not, not as good as the others. But... Um, yeah, that's not a wrong answer. Right. Yeah, Agreed. I was torn with Joan Crawford as well, uh, but I went, 
I actually went with Lionel Barrymore oh. as Otto. Oh, Otto okay. is my MVP here. I, I thought the he drunk was, acting got you. I thought he was the most interesting part of the movie. I thought he was the most. Uh, I thought he popped the most. He was the thing I remembered the most from the first viewing ten years ago. And again, this time around, I just I kind of like I I enjoyed following his character the most in the movie. Okay. And he just did it for me. Yeah, I, I thought that he also delivered the theme of the movie the best, um, where the others were okay. doing their thing, but I think it was delivered. So there's no wrong answer. It's tough to argue between the five because right. even even with the problems with with the dancer character, who knows if the movie is successful back then? Unless they could put Greta Garbo on it. Yeah, I think there's a world where someone can argue that where I don't. Yeah question that so i agree okay lvp lvp i always try to as we do these i can tell by the tone of joey's voice as to who he might be going after i think i may have narrowed it down here in this one but we'll go to oz first who's your your lvp i started with an lvp and kieran you have completely (laughs) yeah i love it always love when that happens that's always a big win in this thing about the set design and the hotel itself. Wow. And you have completely changed my mind. Cool. So the LVP is me for <laughs> thinking that. But also, but also, I am an MVP for admitting when I'm wrong. Yeah, that's and exactly right. right. That's, that's and great. that's it. And this is me coupling up. <laughs> wow, an LVP my, defeat. My LVP, I lay down. I was wrong. Wow. Now, Joey, you never, even when, when you've been swayed off it, you, One time. you never double back on your LVP. You'll still hammer them down just because well, they, yeah. they usually deserve it in your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Always deserve Just don't it. be the dog. Don't say anything. I love the dog. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone's going after the dog here. Joey, what was your LVP? Let's see if I got it right. So, it's not really a character. Ooh, and what was Lewis Stone? Nope, I'm Dr. right. Yep, I did get it right. <laughs> because <laughs> there it is. That was a subtle character who should have been a powerful kind of all-seeing character. Instead, he was a grumpy two-face. Uh-huh. So yeah. that guy could get out of my face, and let's get someone who could actually play that role in a few scenes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I did get that. That I, I honed in. That you had your tone for you the doctor. Down? No, I wrote it down in my head. But that was, I uh, was the doctor. So scared. I was like shaking right in Joe Crawford that he I, was gonna. I, I was nervous. Wow. I was so yeah. nervous. My LVP was uh, Senf. Played by Gene uh, Harris. <laughs> Just because, dude, he's on, he's billed yeah. amongst three stars. Yeah. You know, uh, you think he's going to be a major part of this movie. Like you said, maybe you got to stuff cut or I don't know. But he's, you know, he's there in the end. He's just having a kid. I'm supposed to care about this all of a sudden. Like, I, I you know, right. to me, in a movie where the characters, they had to um, dish out the value and dish out the pieces of the pie, he did, his plate was empty. That's and, what it uh, seemed like. Yeah, yeah it seems like something's missing in that. There's um, definitely a scene cut, but honestly, if he didn't have the lying to Greta Garbo scene at the end, which I kind of liked, I would have been on, uh, fully on board with you. But just Lewis Stone, uh, I think he uh, dropped the ball harder. That is the second time someone's nominated himself as an LVP. Uh, who was the other time, Doug? <laughs> Me for not oh. seeing Godfather. Uh, all right, yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I went with the true. No, I, 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 I swear I was going to complain about the set, and then you act completely now. Well, I defend this. Okay, I'm all right. Set, I'm a defender of the set. Love of, it. Of I love that. Film. I love it. I love when that when the podcast generates our, our takes. That's yeah. that's what we always like. Participation award where we kind of give uh, give some hardware to someone who was in the mix. There wasn't something to give them, so but they were part of the uh, part of the team, and we want to give them some love. I spoke about a, with the question before about the music. That that's the, the score is a uh, was I thought was great. And I'll also throw one uh, for Wallace Berry. Um, just playing a. Fantastic 
unlikable, despicable yeah. person. <laughs> Love him Playing being the only one with the German accent yep. in the whole movie. Oh, that's just kind of really that's that's so WWE, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Bo- like yeah. Boris Zelkov coming yeah, out yeah. and singing yeah. the Russian national anthem. Like, like, uh, he just the only thing left was for him to just be waving the German flag. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Ah. That's right. You stupid Americans. Mm. So mine ultimately is making a movie that doesn't feel like a play. So I think that has to go to Edmund Goulding. Very nice. The director, yeah. Again, my cavalcade PTSD kicked up. This felt like a big intertwined movie, so I'm going Edmund Goulding there. Yeah, Edmund Goulding, you know, I guess to make some sense to, to talk about him, he's probably one of the most indiscreet directors that we'll discuss here out of these Best Picture winners. Was never nominated for anything as far as the Oscars go. Uh, this is his most notable project in the in the terms of the Oscars. Is it one best picture? But he was known within the industry as being that director that could get all the egos to work together. So he's kind of the uh, you know when you you hire the manager, like the like, manager. you're the Dusty Baker, to, the players' yeah, right, manager to come in and and uh, ease the waters and okay. calm everyone down. And he apparently did a great job here on on this what project. What point of his career were were we at with this movie? Where where are we? Is this, is uh, that's he... a good question. It looks here, you know, like he did a ton of uh, a ton of stuff in the late teens and okay. early twenties. So, so he this probably might have been tail end. Yeah, and he's you know he's he's also a, a very much a writer too. Right, so he did right. a lot of a lot of screenplay stuff. As far as directing goes, you know, he, it looks like he started his first project in 1925. All right, so not terrible. Yeah, crazy. he's he's it looks like he's got about you know he's got about seven to ten titles before Grand Hotel, and but and would direct movies until 1958. So he he oh, would wow. go on to direct many more projects. This seems to be right smack um, in the middle then. Yeah, so he had a very nice career. Okay. It's not, not often that the director gets participation award, but this is, would be the right one to give it to because he's kind of a, a nondiscreet right. director. Love it. And, like Billy and, Wilder's not getting no, it. No, he's, he's, he's up for the big prizes. Right, yeah, yeah he's, he's, a, he's a main contender here. My participation award is Joey's LVP. It's the Dr. Lewis Stone. Yeah, uh, that's he, a participation award. Well, you know, <laughs> an Oscar-nominated actor who took a very, very minor role in this one, and was kind of like a thematic backdrop. A jarring-looking character in this with the scars on his face. Yeah. And he was looming over the rest of the cast, much like the hotel. I thought he was the personification of the hotel. And I liked that uh, that presence in, in this movie. I wanted to. He, he gave me, like, shining vibes. I got, like, shining yeah. vibes. Let's go, baby. The Islanders have won, and we'll be going to Game 7. We're interrupting the BPC Awards to announce that when we recorded the Lion King episode. They advanced on to the next round yeah. that night over the Boston Bruins. So we just Bruins. need to record something the next game. Yes, this so they will be going to game seven. Yeah, This team's got some goddamn heart. They really yeah. do. They really do. We're, you guys are doing a Clint Eastwood podcast on Friday, aren't you? Game seven. <laughs> I think we're going to have to. <laughs> I mean, we're recording something here. Let's do it. So we, we are here on the island, so this is a big moment for us. The Islanders have not been in the Stanley Cup since I could hear big could, run in the 80s. So if we stop talking, we could hear the Coliseum right now. Oh, they're, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're throwing garbage on the ice like true Long Islanders. Yes. Let's go Islanders, baby. Absolutely. All right. Yes. Sorry. Anyway, Sorry. Yes. Joey, yes. Time, yes. Potentially um, at the time... Maybe it was a bigger deal to see this actor in that role. Who knows? Though? Sure, but he mailed it in. 
<laughs> the, again, my issue isn't the character. My issue is the yeah. actor. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, it's an area where we disagree here, Geoff. That's, uh, yeah, that's okay. That's the beauty, beauty of, of the podcast. podcast. Yeah. That's exactly right. Listen, it's the Tori Hanzo, right? <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're now on a streak of mentioning the Torianzo sorts here. We need to just overdo it so it stops happening. <laughs> Next up, scene. How about the scene of the movie? Uh, mine was the bar scene, specifically uh, from when because there were a couple Otto, of bar scenes. Yeah, Otto yeah. standing up to praising um, Otto. You know, and then telling him off, and then where he he starts drinking with uh, with Flem. Yeah. yeah. Also, my scene of yeah. the movie. Right. Same, same. Where, where Simpatico there? Uh, I, I, I thought that's that led into a lot of why Lionel Barrymore was was my MVP. That scene, the, the him him drunk alone in the room, didn't really have much to do uh, to work off of except just some physical comedy right. and talking into the mirror, Mister Friedling, you're drunk. You know, like <laughs> that. Uh, the just uh, fun stuff. I thought that was that, scene that's kind of where the, uh, the 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 movie sped up. Not that it was ever slow, but that's really kind of where it started to kind of get to the end. That's and where the nexus yeah, point was, right. too. Yeah. I yeah, love any time, too, really where you just have you have two Oscar award winners nose to nose going yeah, at it. In a bar. You, you see it. Yeah, you yeah, just see, awesome. you see it th- throughout cool. movie history. But this was a great a great moment of it, a great example. So, yeah, I'm just definitely. a sucker for bar scenes. Give yeah, hell yeah, scene. hell yeah. Let's My, go. Mine was when the Baron and the dancer were in and he was telling her really who he was and she didn't take him seriously until the pearls. I really love that scene for the mostly for the Baron, but I, I like that scene a lot because also I a great saw scene. a lot about him. Also a great scene, and that scene was what played into my movie recommend when we get there. So, oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with you, Joe. That step was right up there for me too. Do, Joe, did you read your quote? You know, I, I like when she said, "I want to be alone." That's one of the top. Well, that's yeah, that's an AFI quote, yeah. which I was surprised. Like to number hear, thirty. Yeah, I yeah. want to be alone. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was surprised. I think that was her. Read that. I think that was her. I think that was her like peak in this. Yeah, time machine recast. Take anyone mm. from any point. Mm. Put him in the movie. Karen, I see you messed this one up during the Lion King one. You called out Grant. Did yeah, I? About uh, him doing... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, well yeah. I was confused. <laughs> I was just so... To, to explain that, because I was listening to that today, like, I was a little confused just because we've... Like, Rocky is the earliest I yeah. know of I Carl Weathers. Carl yeah. uh, The earliest I know of Carl Weathers. And he's pretty old in that movie, though. So, like... I just got confused because he was like, you're getting a younger Carl Weathers. So he was in the NFL? Yeah. To, to do, so he to do Simba, did he talk? To no, do I Simba's he, voice. I think like, he was only like in his 30s and Rocky. To, but the question is, yeah, he was probably Matthew Broderick's age anyway. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I just got, I got confused. I got confused. I, I don't like Matthew Broderick in that spot. <laughs> no, I, I hammered that on pretty much, yes. But, anyway, um, sorry. Yeah, right. Yes, to, yes, to, to answer your question, I did, I did erroneously correct Grant. And then Grant zinged you right back. Yeah. It was just... Yes. As he, as he likes to do. Ah, it's time she recast. All right. So I recasted Suzette. I'm not even going to try to say her name. Raffaella Otiano. Suzette. Suzette, yeah. yeah. Suzette. And I put in, for the movie that you guys have covered with Rebecca, put in Judith Anderson. Oh. Oh, great. Great job. She's fantastic. Great yeah. job. Yeah. Love it. Mrs. Danvers. She yeah. might need a little more. Judith Anderson, if we put her in this she movie, would, yeah. yeah, probably love it. But uh, she's great. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to trying to keep it in keep it in house with what we did. Still shocked she didn't win that Oscar. It's ridiculous. Yeah. As much as I love the Graves of Wrath, I mean that's so just yeah. That that, that deserved the, the win. Time to recast Joe? Yeah, so I recast my LVP, so I recast Good. Dr. Oddenschlag. Okay. Just putting uh, on the uh, the two face makeup. You know who would be great as a two face? Not Aaron Eckert. Not Aaron Eckert. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell. Ah, uh, yeah. Tell me he would not be. He would be great in that role. He would, he would just be great in that role. Yep. Him saying, "Oh, the Grand Hotel. Yep. Nothing happens. There, people. He would. That'd be amazing. That would be good. I, I like that one, Joe. I do, I like, do that. like that one. Yeah. So I have. I don't even know the name of the character that I'm recasting here. Uh, the, the, it's the guy who's 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 breaking the Baron's balls for the pearls that, that they're setting up. The, the guy, chauffeur. The, the, He's the, the chauffeur. The bellhop. The chauffeur. He's a chauffeur. Yeah. And he's so he's in on it with the with yeah. the with the Baron to get. Yeah, he's this the connect to like, like the bad guy crew. Yeah, right. Yes. So um, I, I I need a, I need an actor who can you know wear that hat and wear a trench coat and really kind of swoop in on the shadows and get it done. So I go beautiful mind era Ed Harris nice. in that role. I like that. <laughs> get in there. Oh you yeah. Know, you really better get this done here. The higher ups are not going to be happy. We got to get this done. We got to get that done tonight. So yeah, I, like I mean, it. I, I think good. I feel like Ed Harris is climbing the the tallies in, in recasts. I feel like he's been used a couple times, but uh, that's, the that's battle really of Ed Harris and Steve yeah. Harvey's recast. <laughs> be plugged in quite a few things. We we hope that Steve Steve Harvey is not uh, added much more to these, but <laughs> hopefully that's a wrap. The five 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 is the BPC calculator where we talk about uh, the performances, we talk about how the movie is shot, and we talk about. The stories and the themes, and we do them one to five, five being checks every box you'd want it to check for a Best Picture winner, and one being it uh, absolutely does not. And we'll start with performances from this all-star cast. Joey, why don't you lead us off here? I'm going to go four here. I think they all really did a good job um, keeping, really making use of their time. Nobody tried to overtake anybody, so I'm going to go a four there. Yeah, I'll... uh... Go next, and I'm gonna give it a three. I liked it. I liked all their performances. I really didn't dislike anybody's performance in this. I had some criticisms with with Greta Garbo, but just don't think it's anyone in this movie's best work. And I think that there's a little bit of everybody leaning on their name because that's what the project was, which is fine. That's what the, sure. that's what the game plan was, and they went in and did that. And it's there's nothing negative to say about any of that really, but. I don't have, I mean, we talked about, you know, should anyone be nominated here? I'm okay with everyone canceling each other out, kind of, is where it is. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strong three. You know, That's it's fair. a strong three. It's a week four. Mostly positive, yeah, <laughs> yeah, mostly positive things to say. But it's going to get a three for me if I'm just comparing it to the other movies we've discussed. Yeah, I'm, I'm a four as well. Um, I don't have any huge disagreements um, with what you guys are saying, except sometimes I think being in a star cast is almost harder than as opposed to easier. So canceling each other out is, could be a good thing. That's fair. That's know, fair. So that's why yeah. I give it a little bit more. It, I don't think it's a five because I don't think they all worked together perfectly to the point where we're talking about these other movies. I um, think a five needs, an, needs at least one Academy Award right. winning caliber performance and right. I don't think that was here. Or they all have to just be like so seamlessly together all of them and that, yeah. I don't think that happened here. Um, I give it a, 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 a four not a super strong four but a, right. but a four. So before we move on to the next one here I just want to because I just thought of this just now like think of some ensemble casts that you consider fives. 
Like some all-star mm. cast that you consider oh, that, we, that you would get a five. Wish I thought points. of this yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Pulp, Pulp Fiction would be the obvious one that I would come up with, where yeah. that's that's a that's a star-studded cast, and I think you'd have to go a five on the. Yeah, I mean, there. almost all of his Tarantino's movies, especially recently, have become ensemble yeah. Uh, yeah. movies. That would be fives. Yeah, but the, I guess maybe I went to Pulp Fiction yeah. first, just because it's multiple stories intertwined. Yeah, it's the most yeah. similar to to a Grand Hotel. Another one I would think, I, I thought it was maybe Magnolia. Mm. I guess you could argue, mm. is that a four versus a five? Um, I happen to really like that movie. I, I think that that's probably Cruz's best work. Right. What about um, the first Ocean's Eleven? That's right on par here with this. I mean, does that get a five? I'd go I four mean, with Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, I think, I think. I, I don't I have, you can go four. Is there is there an Academy Award winning performance in that? Or is everybody's combined good right. enough to be, right. to be recognized that's as a an, whole? It's an interesting question. That's yeah, a very, it's a good very, question. Very good question. Next would be how the movie's shot, how it's presented. So I am going, because I do believe that it deserves a editing cinematography nomination, I'm going to go a four. Yeah. I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it does a very good job of not being clunky, being smooth. It does small intimate shots well, and it does bigger chaotic shots well. I was kind of super torn with this one, and I, I'm going to ultimately go with my original answer, uh, because I did like... a. I thought there were elements of this movie with how it was presented. We've already talked about the set design that elevated the material. And that's always something I always lean toward in, in, in these one to fives here. That being said, and I, I do think it's a good cinematographer who, who went on to do some, some nice things and he went on to win an Oscar. Uh, he did like, he was a, the, how the West was won was a movie he was nominated for. And, and that's William H. Daniels. And uh, he, he won best cinematography for The Naked City was the name of the movie. He also did Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, How the West Was Won, and he did uh, Harvey with Jimmy Stewart. Have you ever heard of that movie, Joey? No. I, I thought you were, you were a Jimmy Stewart Big guy. Big Jimmy Stewart guy. Yeah, too. that's I one of his, um, I think he's got like an imaginary friend that's a rabbit, you know, very Donnie, oh. Donnie Darko-esque, but um, <laughs> yeah, he he, uh, he shot that. It was the DOP for that one too. So I, I do think that it's, it's early work from a guy that's gonna go on to be a pretty solid cinematographer, but Kind of the in the room shots were, were were very plain to me, and I, I just don't need it. I don't need this movie to be nominated for cinematography personally. So I gave it a three. I, oh. I went down the line with it. I I could have gone four because I thought that the presentation of the hotel elevating what could have just been a stage play on screen could have leaned toward a four. But again, I'm gonna give a strong three. I gave it a four. This is one where I would have it as a three and a half, a three point five. You know, it's been spoken about on previous episodes. What do you do with the half? It's mm -hmm. like no halves. You gotta, yep, gotta, you gotta, you gotta commit. Um, yeah. And on my next one, I kind of evened it out. Which is, um, which is, yeah, that's not. So this one, I, I, I rounded up a little bit, and the the reasons why I rounded up were the, I said it probably a bunch of times on this. I loved how they shot the <coughs> transitions. Uh, specifically when, when the Baron's on the balcony mm -hmm. he, he's in one set of characters and then the camera moves with him and now he's with the other uh, I think they were really creative with that especially in you know, the early 30s you know after some of the you know, watching keep picking on Cavalcade watching like Cavalcade how that shot compared to Cavalcade this is a third yeah. and the Cav Cavalcade's a year later yeah, right, it's, right? It's, it's the cinematography is so way better than this the score I agree with why you knocked it down to a three, but that plus I'm putting the score in this 
box, mm-hmm. yep. and I'm, I'm bumping this up from wire from the three and a half to the four. So okay, I, I I like that, and I I think on a on a better day or better a better week or something, I might <laughs> I might have leaned that way. I feel like I've been pretty generous in this cat in in this stuff in general. I'm very interested when the time comes for RDB to have his uh, his time to check into the Grand Hotel. I'm interested in what he, how he'll grade the cinematography because he's kind of our in-house uh, yeah. cinematography yeah, he, buff. He's into that the most. Yes, um, yeah. So I'm, and, and I, I was thinking about that while I was watching it because I could see him go either way. Me too. And usually I can peg how, what he's gonna. Depends what if you watch it on a phone or TV. <laughs> and, and the RDB has motivated me to kind of care a little bit more about that because yeah. I'm so, I pro amongst anyone who's been on with you when I started I probably cared the least about that yeah because yeah. I was just all, all story like yeah, give me the yeah. story yeah story I still lean yeah. way towards more sure. of that but I'm yeah. trying to notice that because it's, it's unbelievably important you know you, yeah. gotta, you gotta gotta look for that stuff yeah for sure and I, I'm definitely I lean toward the, the I mean I think I, I mean I love all three of these categories here but I, I love the story and I love the performances too performances can always yeah a, a truly great performance can always pull me into to any sure. of these you guys both went four I went three Right. And now we're going into themes, how the story's told, and this is where we usually can throw screenplay into this as well. I'll go first. I'm going to uh, just right across the board. It's going to be a three. Uh, it is, uh, I think it's better than your average Hollywood event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that there is a story to be told here. I do think that there is, um, when you look at it closely, there is a theme that you can sit and and put a podcast together about like we did sure. today. Uh, there's times where we're pulling our teeth just to come up with anything yeah. to talk about with some of these movies, but this wasn't really one of them. I thought for a 1932 movie, I thought we did a nice job yeah. kind of picking things apart. I thought there were times where the script wasn't perfect. Like there was, there were definitely some, some hot button lines they wanted delivered and they wanted to stick and they made them stick. But then there was a lot of kind of fluffy material in between but again i don't have any complaints about this movie i really don't like it's this movie is just it's right down the middle for me it's right down the it's a three 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 uh it's it's not super memorable good or bad and you know there's a place for that movie on this list um unfortunately because of the strength of this best picture list i think a movie that's right down the middle is gonna probably fall not at 45, but it's going to fall back because I think that you're 45 just and and just in doing this, doing the 30 movies that we did leading you're up to this. You already have 32 movies now. So. Yeah, knowing which ones are in that 15 slot and how good they are. Right. You know, you see a movie like The Grand Hotel, and I'm, I'm jumping to the next category ready, but yeah. So I, I give it a three in, in how it's told. Right. So, um, awesome. I give themes actually a two, and uh, I it could, um, like I mentioned on the the previous category it's more of like a could have been a three i bumped the other one to be a to be a four so this is gonna be a two because it's it's especially compared to other best picture winners as you just said it's, it's very basic i'm yeah. very excited to hear what joey's gonna say because he might you know show me the light on something yeah. to be honest yeah. but i i don't see it. it's fine two might be a little harsh on it but again basing it on Movies, even movie uh, movies in that time period, it's 
it's kind of thin. Yeah. It's just thin. And it's not horrible, but it's 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 thin. I think the performances elevated it. Without these uh, performances, this movie might have sucked. Yeah. yeah, what is the Grand Hotel with, with five yeah. no-name actors? And what's it's the, probably nothing. What's the Grand Hotel? That's something we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. What's, the, what's the Grand Hotel? I think we, we've all agreed that it, that it's shot well. Um, yeah. And, and it looks good. Um, and without that, without the performances, it's... Yeah, I don't know what this is. Uh, and so, I think what, one common thread between the three movies that won Best Picture and only Best Picture is they were all box office events. Right. And I think that may have hurt. Where I, I do think that, and I five 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 Mutiny in the Bounty. Um, I do think that that had le- legendary epic performances in it. So I thought that that got a little bit of a raw into the deal. But I think there maybe is something we said of they they want to reward mm-hmm. at the end of the year. The movie that was like, you know, Broadway Melody was like the introduction of sound in the most grand right. form. Right. Unity Bounty is we're taking a ship out to sea with Clark Gable and Charles Lawton. And holy shit, you know, get your fucking popcorn, baby. Like, and 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 the Grand Hotel is that? the first time of seeing all the stars right. on first the screen together. Right. All the superstars are here, you it know, is- like it. It, it, the big events. So they give it Best Picture, but they didn't really have much else to give it. Yeah, so right. when we're talking about the numbers. Um, I'm just trying to place it in consistently. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't know how many um, like clunker movies there are. I, I don't, I haven't seen enough of them. You, you yeah. would know. I'm guessing there's like 15 or 20. Yeah. Right? There's at yeah. least something there's, like that. There's probably at least 10. So. And it could go as high as 15. Let's yeah. say there's 15. This is not going to be in that. Bad. Uh, I would agree. Oh, no I chance. Agree. Um, it, it's, it cannot. Um, but how high it goes after that is going to be very difficult. And if I have this down in the 60s, 70s, I can't be giving out 444s or 543, you know, it's right. like, I got 442. Plus to balance out yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Where'd, you, where'd you end up to? So I was between a two and a three, um, but I do believe that it has themes. I believe they were a little heavy handed in showing out their themes with um, I two. I don't disagree with that. Which, so I, I think it kind of led to a couple weird pacing issues, but that's, I, that's very succinct. That's well said. But I'm falling on a three because I do believe that there were enough themes that I can overlook. Because my issue was, it was pacing issues versus is there enough substance to it? And I ended up falling where I do feel like there was enough. Especially if I was just relying on the theme of kind of money. But I I ended up really looking at loneliness as it. And I felt that that was a little bit... Better handled, so I went with a three because of that. Yeah, the, the themes are are, are hand are handed to you in a, in a drive. You don't have to work. Yeah, it, it's it it's in a problem. it's in a drive through manner. Yeah. It's, right. it's 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 you pull right up. It's in a yeah. bag. You drive off with right. it. However, in what they deliver you, there's a lot of of moving parts to them. Like you said, there is loneliness and there right. is financial struggle and there is like ties to the Great Depression and there's we, the, the typical stars born all about Eve artist you know the the, sure. the star is, is fading the black swan theme it, there is a lot tied into there and, and it all coming together in the form of a hotel it's more than just fast food themes right. like it, there, there's there's something there so I, I like that I, I, I thought you really you put that together really well Joe. P- p- potentially at the time maybe they didn't trust the audience uh, that's very that's a good point you know, now yeah, right. you could now you could be like hey figure it out idiots and yeah, you can't, yeah. You're dude that's us, really that's, that's a great that point impossible to quantify 100%. great point impossible but yeah. I think there's probably a lot to that yeah yeah so.
Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's great. That leads yeah. us into to where this thing will be ranked. We've kind of already discussed yeah. it a little bit. I want to throw this out because this is something we discussed in some of our very earlier episodes. I want to start doing it again when we get to this category. And that's the legacy that the, nice. that the movie has. And what legacy, if any, does hold out today. And I think the quickest and easiest response is, is it's the first star-studded cast. Yeah, and that's, and that's something that's pretty common nowadays. I mean, but if you ask anybody what's the first star-studded cast... Zeta's going to be the only person on Earth to throw that out. <laughs> right. And we're going to, this season, we're going to cover Around the World in 80 Days, yep. which is the introduction of the celebrity cameo. Right, like the stunt casting. And that's the, yeah, yeah the stunt, ca- yeah, so you have, you pay, you basically get a bunch of stars to do favors for you, and right. they're, Frank Sinatra will come in your movie for 30 seconds just to do you a favor, and then and then he'll be gone, and you make a whole movie of that, which you know nowadays is like the the movie forty three or you right. Know, exactly. right. Sounds like um, one of those clunkers I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> right, or, uh, uh, he's just not that into you. So like, uh, yeah. So it, the, the legacy maybe today isn't the greatest thing in the world, but you know if you look at a movie like a Magnolia, this is the earliest form of that where you have um, big stars on screen. I mean, as you mentioned, kind of Tarantino, all of his movies are that now. But Legacy Beyond That, and we we did mention it being mentioned in the apartment. I think it's cool to see the Barrymore brothers together, you know, and and knowing that, you know, Drew Barrymore is still the the star that she became. It's kind of... It's really cool. ...fun to see that, because I kind of always knew that she came from a Hollywood family, but didn't know anything about the people that came before her. So it is kind of cool to see them in their element. Uh, Joan Crawford, we talked about going on to, to... being a, a Best Actress winner, and I got to see Mildred Pierce for sure. That's going to be on my list. And Greta Garbo is kind of the one coming out of the, the silent era. So there's a lot of cool moving parts of that, where this is not just a movie that came and went, and that just is only talked about because it's the Best Picture winner. There are some Absolutely. things about it. But mm-hmm. where does it come in on the 192 list? And I, I know that me and Oz kind of already addressed that a little bit. Joe, what do you think? So it's tough now that this is the thirty second movie we've done because now there's actual context. So the answer, yeah, of, this is a, we've done a third of the movies. Yeah, right, it's like a mathematical yeah. kind of right. formula. So that's the thing. So the oh, I haven't seen enough of these to really yeah, say is now a complete bullshit yeah. answer. Like yeah. we can't do that cop out anymore. We've now we have to commit a third of the movies. Right, and you've seen them all. At this I've point. seen every oh, single one of them. Yeah. No, them. I have not. Seen, I, there's a couple of handful. So the way I did this was I looked at the thirty two movies we've done. And of the 32 movies we have done, for me, this would end up at about number 21. So the beginning of the... Wow, that's, that's high. Yeah, but I, that's really where I'm looking at everything, where it does have performances that I think matter. And I do think it has some things in there. So we're probably looking at number 50, like early 50s. That's high. That's high. Yeah, that's... that's I'm, I like that you like this movie that much. But that's it's a cool. four four three, four four yeah. three, four four two. So yeah. you know, I think that's a valid, you know, probably a little bit lower than it should be with a four four three. But I think when all said and done, that's where it belongs, and that's where it would be within the thirty two. So yeah. I think when we look yeah. at grand spectrum, that just makes sense. So Joe, you had it a four four three, Ozzy had a four four two, four, four, two, and I had it threes across the yeah. What I kind of am looking at now too is having done the rankings episodes twice now. So we've done two yeah. seasons. This is we're now into our third season. I kind of look at the movies and go, is, is this going to be a candidate for number 15 for me? Like Broadway Melody was right. in season one and like Cavalcade was in season two. And I think just by the nature of what this movie is, it will be in the conversation. But, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit in an, un, you know, it's, it's a little bit unfair for you guys because I am in the seat where I have an idea right. of what we're right. going to be doing. So 
I I would be shocked if this were my fifth team in season in season three. I'd also be shocked if it were at my ten. You know, and it may be, and it may be because I don't know every movie we're doing yet. That's not all that not all that's been decided. But I think it's a movie that's going to be in that kind of going my way type of deal where. You know, I like, I like I like it more than everybody else. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, no, well, I like going my no, way more than I like going my way more than I like Grand Hotel. Okay, uh, Grand Hotel. Um, I would probably go Grand Hotel over 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 going my way. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah so, so you really did like this one. Uh, um, but I think that that's a comparable bracket. I, I think they're in the same world. Those two movies. So I think I have like going my way at twenty three. Okay, and you said twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. So that's, same that world. Sense. So if I'm if I'm giving a number. You know, like I said, as this, I see this one kind of right down the middle. What I'm learning is that right down the middle is kind of more in the back, back sure. quarter mm-hmm. to back third. So I think this is a back third movie, and like I said, in that kind of going my way bracket, I'm going to think that. You know, we're looking. We're looking. Uh, I, I think it'll it'll get out of the '80s. I think it'll be in the '70s somewhere, okay. but maybe low '80s, maybe maybe low '70s. Yeah, it's reasonable, I think. Yeah, also. but mine is about seventy to seventy-five is where I would, okay. where yeah. I would place it about there. I think it's gonna blow away some of the, the yeah. bad ones because it's not bad. There's no, nothing wrong not. with this movie. And There's it, nothing yeah, wrong. There's with nothing stellar. Right. Before we get, we're gonna delve into those ranking worlds that we teased a little bit. Oz is gonna give us his season two rankings. Gonna be very exciting, like we did on the Cavalcade episode. I think we probably went in more into the Grand Hotel than we did with the Cavalcade. Well, there was more. We weren't, yeah, we weren't initially, and we were, but we weren't initially pegging this as the ranking. Oh, I'm surprised. How, no, um, it that just kind of materializes the same three guys. It made some sense. Yeah. We're gonna go in our recommends. If you liked Grand Hotel, what is your companion piece of this, Joey? I think you teased your recommend a couple times. We'll, we'll have you go first. Yeah. So I went with another ensemble movie, ensemble cast. Oh, uh, I went with the Grand Budapest Hotel. Ah, yes. Okay. Wes Anderson. I was wondering if that was... A little heavy-handed, I know. I tried to be more clever, but you know what? It's a fantastic cast that all works together really well in a really cool hotel. So I went Grand Budapest Hotel. And Oz, I know, you know, I, I mentioned that uh, I'm doing the, the Clint Eastwood filmography, and Oz, you already have done the, the Tarantino and the Fincher. Fincher. And you were talking about possibly doing Wes Anderson I, next. Yes, it have, has not happened yet, but okay. that, is, that is on the uh, docket. Have you seen Grand sure. Budapest Hotel? Yes. Oh, yeah, nice. Is that what you're going to do next? Is that yes, the, definitely. Okay. That's a perfect um, That's a great a perfect one, because yeah. he's got like 13 movies. It's, it's a nice, clean um, one, yeah. And his movies are great. That yeah. one's been sitting on my watch list for a while. Because like I've never seen... Bottle Rocket. Oh, really? Never, oh, and I really oh. like him. And I, You'll like Bottle um, Rocket. In the Annie Hall episode, me and Rob R. had uh, the Tenenbaums both yeah. randomly as like the second best right, comedy of the last 15 years. Just which is a legitimate top five. Yeah. I love that. Um, but Wes Anderson, I'm definitely in on. And that was almost my recommend. Uh, oh, nice. It was almost my recommend. But what I did with my recommend, um, I took the less the... Um, ensemble and more the caper aspect of this movie. Okay, I kind of um, want a similar route going. And the time period of this movie, and I don't know how many chances I'm going to get to mention Humphrey Bogart, so I went Maltese Falcon. Oh, I love Maltese that. Well done. Movie. It popped on recently on HBO yep. Max. I had seen it before. I watched it two weeks ago. But I, yeah. uh, it, very, it's good. It's, it's, I it's love a that good movie. movie. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, it has a lot of the caper aspects. Yep, it's uh, uh, a good one today. So the Maltese Falcon is is on the um, the AFI Top One Hundred, yeah. and it's it's one of the movies that I have now pro- 
put in my I have not seen category. So because I, I, I have seen the Maltese Falcon, but I saw it in college. A, a girl I was seeing at the time had to watch it for class. Okay. So I got pulled into watching it with her. I was more interested in doing other things <laughs> that she was holding out on because we needed to watch the Maltese Falcon. So I'm staring here watching you got the Maltese Falcon. In your mouth, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't. I have, in my eyes, I've not seen right. Maltese Falcon. So I, I have that on my list too. But Humphrey Bargain's Man. Also, uh, Peter uh, Laurie, who's in um, M, which is a great silent movie, real good actor. And that is uh, directed by John Houston, who also directed who also directed uh, the African Queen. TMC has a really good like five minute thing about Maltese Falcon, uh, Maltese, fa- Falcon. Maltese Falcon, and Hugh- yeah, John so Houston. And it's just a really good... His daughter's in it. It's just like a really cool, quick thing they put on between movies sometimes. It's really worth checking out. Yeah, and he directed Casino Royale, one of the early Bond movies. Wow. And the other thing that's just... Why that's interesting in times when we talk about the Clint Eastwood movies I've watched is Clint Eastwood has a movie that came out in 1990 called uh, White Hunter Black Heart where he plays a director that goes to Africa and becomes obsessed with hunting elephants. And he's... It's... Loosely based on John Houston's filming of the African Queen. Oh, really? So, yeah. So all that, wow. it. and it was one of those pleasant surprise movies. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I liked it way more than I expected to. So it, it ranks high on my letterbox uh, rankings. There. Sweet. What is so, your yes. recommendation? So mine is uh, I stuck to the era as well. Maltese Falcon, I believe, is uh, early forties. Yeah, so. forty-one. Yes. Yeah. So I, uh, I actually stuck to the the same year as huh? as uh, Grand Hotel. Good. So we're, oh, we're nice. out of the same year. And this is a movie I watched for the first time this year uh, because it was the pilot episode of Zeta Short's 300 Passions podcast. Okay. Oh. It's uh, an hour and 23 minute movie. It is uh, about uh, two, two thieves who are kind of on to the same marks and cross paths and fall, uh, fall for each other amidst their, their thievery. They play off each other great. It's called Trouble in Paradise from 1932. It's directed by uh, Ernst Lubitsch. It is kind of a movie that was appreciated more in retrospect than it was uh, when, when it came out, but uh, Miriam Hopkins in that one, Herbert Marshall. A real fun one. I, I, I really dug it. I really enjoyed it. Was, it was a pleasant surprise. You know, uh, I saw Zita was starting off her podcast. It was a movie I hadn't heard of. I'm like, all right, it was available on TCM. And I checked it out and really loved the hell out of it. It was an 8.0 on IMDb. It's, which is, which it's, is high. It's, yeah. Dude, it's so watchable. That's uh, a it, good, um, the way you've explained it, that's, that's very in line with the, the, the totally and the, the scene, stenographer. Exactly. I was struggling with what I was going to use for a recommend. I was going to get as, yeah. as boring as just saying The Shining, you know, just because <laughs> why the hell not? And, and um, and, or, or Knives Out, or even the Clue, where like other ones, I'm like, oh, I just ensemble Knives Out was something I was thinking about. You would, yeah, re- but you, would recommend so you would recommend Clue if you could every time. I think I would. I think it's, I think, I think I've, I've you been, mentioned like, that before. I think like three or four times I've been like, I wanted to recommend Clue, right. but, so this was almost the I can't one. wait till you finally recommend Clue. Nah, fuck it. We're going to do Clue Joey's, Y'all, we need to do Clue as an episode. That has to happen. Absolutely. Uh, Joey, your scene of the movie is when it clicked, and I said, "You know what, trouble." And then I look at trouble, and it's the same year, and I'm like, "Well, now I have enough right. times to make this work." And then I could shout out Zeta, uh, Zeta Shorts podcast. Three hundred passions, check that out; it's worth it. And that's her pilot episode. And it's a great episode. So we're on to the ranking section of this. So how we did this last time is is that uh, each of the three of us kind of manned the list. Oz, you manned your personal list yes. there. Joey, you manned the uh, the 
composite list, yes. And I have the IMDb list. So we kind of match what the internet bros think about yeah. what things do, how the BPC bros think about how things do. And Oz, you're kind of like the... The uh, the outside counsel coming like and taking it. us taking us to task, and right. I would love I would love if you have specific people to snipe mm. here or there. If yeah, you have you, it, if you, you might don't. be one of them. So. Uh, oh, I love that! I love that more because this. I'll say this before we do this. I was way more at peace with the season one composites than the season two composites. When I saw the season two composites, I was honestly a, a little like put off, like yeah. with some of the. Some of the movies that landed higher than ours, and you're going to find out which ones as we do this, sure. because I think that there's some here that I, I just and I, I've we've had yeah. group chat conversations that have lasted through the middle of the day, like into it, but where like we're all where people off. are falling asleep and staying awake, and luckily I'm awake for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But you know, we've it's it's there's one that I think is going to come up. That me and Kieran are very much on board on it. Very yes, it's ranks. kind of been a it's been a big a, a big issue of uh, of of our our team here. Yeah. But before we got there, are two movies that I did not see. Okay, so which ones are um, have you not seen? An American Paris. Okay, which I'm never gonna watch it. I'm gonna explain <laughs> to you why when we talk about Oliver. Okay, um, and Gentleman Agreement. Okay, I just haven't seen. I, tough to kind of tough to find. So what, yeah. what I'm gathering, and you know, without I don't want to. And you're not a musical guy. You don't oh, have the Gene Kelly. Yeah. Oh, no. You I do not have the Gene Kelly. You do not have the Gene Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, from what I, I did listen to the um, Gentleman Agreement episode okay. and the Rankings episode, and I listened to the American in Paris episode, and I hate musicals. So yeah. neither of those are going to be my like top 10 right. or 11 or so you, you heard so. enough to know that it's probably not. I, I think, and I hate to do that. Right. Uh, I was speaking to Joey R. before the, this. And I, I hate to do that about movies I haven't seen. But I'm pretty certain that it wouldn't disrupt my rankings much. Gotcha, gotcha. That's, Which is fair, and I think Joey would have. Yeah, no, knowing that. you, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. fair. So I, I think it's reasonable. Yeah, and I, I am of the mind that you know, and I'm, I'm a completionist. So I, this is how I am. It's like I think that everyone should see them all, just because you never know when you're gonna. No, you're right. I got. I'm gonna watch. I, I got it, and we're gonna talk I mean, about. Chris is this. Yeah, Chris G. Oh, Chris G. is the is the living example. Right, where I could. I could. There are movies that he ranked higher than me that I, I that I don't think he ever would have in a million years watched, and probably would have said exactly what you just said, Osbert. There's no way it'll destroy you're right. my yeah, you're right. rankings. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we'll talk about movies like again. You know, every one of these episodes, I'm revisiting this movie for either a, a second time or a multiple time, no. and I get surprised with them. It's fair. You know? No, that's totally fair. So I mean, and I always I talk about Oliver nonstop, but that is like the yeah. one where I just I that was a throwaway episode where like right. we need to do something. All right, fucking Oliver, like it's just going to be a genetic. And dude, I blew I blew me away. Oh, we'll talk about it. So, yeah, all right, well we'll get there. All right, so let's start with 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 fifteens here. So this is so this is going to be a little. Um, so just, we'll start. We'll do our fifteen, fourteen, and then we'll start at Greg's thirteen. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna. We're gonna get through those. Yeah, we'll basically we're gonna. Once we get to the top ten, it will matter. Yeah, we're gonna chat out the fifteens to elevens. Yeah, and we'll see who's yeah. who's match up and who's yeah, yeah. So so we'll do fifteen and fourteen at the same time. Yeah, okay. IMDb's fifteen and fourteen are also my personal fifteen and fourteen, and their uh, fifteen is Cavalcade and fourteen is Gentleman's Agreement. So that is also our composite rankings yeah. okay. together. So there, yeah. So there's no no uh, surprise there. All right. Oz, are either of those your 13 or 12? Cavalcade is my 13. Is your 13. Yeah. Okay, so everyone's pretty much in agreement. Yeah. And I think the only person who didn't have that last was Artie. Artie, because, because of, 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 of Oliver. Right. Right. And we don't need to keep dump, dumping dirt on Cavalcade. We can move on. 
Uh, we have we have a whole episode if you want to check yeah, it. The three of us did it. It's, it's the it's, best. It's the nicest it's, anyone's ever done. There is actually no reason for us to talk anymore no, about that. So we've we, spent we, hours. That's it. So next is we'll do the the thirteens and twelve. So the thirteen on our composite was what, Joe? Oliver. It was Oliver on the composite. Okay. So IMDb actually had American in Paris at thirteen, okay. which is interesting. I, I it's interesting to me, as it's one that was kind of in the mix for the AFI. So you think yeah, it'd be that's a little bit higher. What was next in line for you, Les? Oliver. Was Oliver's your 12? Okay, so you're in agreement with, yeah. basically with Artie, and I think it was me and Chris who had that one high, right? Grant definitely had Oliver super low. Joe, you had it at 10. I had it at 9. Uh, we have it all over the place. It's, it goes, it's 10. 9 to 15. Grant was 13. Artie was 15. Yeah, yeah, Artie really dumped on it. Yeah. yeah. It just depends on what mood he's in when he's watching. Right. Yeah. And what medium. Um, what, you know, Ozzy, so you watched Oliver with your yeah. wife. Well, I just want to, I'll talk my overall problem with musicals and then I'll mm-hmm. relate it exactly to Oliver. Musicals, Team America. Mm-hmm. Team America. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so they have the, the song about montages. Gonna yeah. be the montage. And it's really funny how Rocky it, had a Yeah, it's like makes fun of montages. Which is originally from a South Park episode. Yes. Right? Fair. You, no, that's great. That's great. Those guys, those guys are genius. Yes, yes. Um, but that song is all I can hear when I see musicals because every important plot point is told through a montage. Yeah. That's what happens in musicals is you're watching and then something happens they sing it to you about it happening and the i think the biggest example of that is in oliver when oliver and the dodger become friends mm-hmm. and how do they tell you they become friends they sing about becoming consider yourself we're gonna at be, home we're gonna be fast friends yeah and then they're <laughs> friends and I, I cannot get on board with that at all that method of story yeah telling. so i i, I do want to just counterpoint you yeah Okay, because like I, as in my, in my later years, I have, I'm going to shift to music here for a second. I have grown to appreciate every genre of music and I did not always feel that way. And I know most people I know don't feel that way because I'm a, I'm a country music fan and in the, in the Northeast and you either like it or you don't up here. And there's, there are people who, who loathe country music up here. And there is a decent contingent for the more more so than there was there was fifteen years ago. But I grew up a metal fan, and there are a group of people from a specific demographic yeah. <laughs> that we're moving toward as we get older yeah. that do not understand metal. And when they hear it, they hear noise. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are people who view movies and view musicals, and they don't see anything but noise. They see this 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 thing that they don't jive with. Yeah. And I kind of look at the metal genre as if I want to compare that to musicals, which is so uh, not metal. But uh, it, I think that like, oh, they're just screaming or it's just burp or it's just noise or it's like, well, there's an art form to it. And is it the most sophisticated art form of all time? Probably not. Right. You know, but there is stories. it's a different way to tell a story. And and are there expedition dumps by song? Yes. And is every metal lyric the greatest, you know, the thing of all time? No, but I just think that how you choose to deliver your form of art, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's fair to hold the genre against the delivery, and that's just how I'm. So I, I can't make everyone a musical fan. I like, and I'm thoroughly impressed by musicals. Watching them on stage, mm-hmm. it's incredible, and I was trying to figure out what the difference is. Interesting. The difference is 
when you're watching it live, it's so much easier to suspend the disbelief because it's like you're in this together, right? You're in this together. And I'm just not, I'm not knocking the talent of the people that are on screen when you can cut, do it again, yep. sing it again. Dub it all, dub over it. Dub, I'm just thoroughly less impressed. And I don't know that that happens in these movies. I don't know how many takes. It could take one take. You That's know? fair. I don't know. And there was a significant um, amount of dubbing in, in So when I lose... Musicals me, take buy-in. And if you can't buy in, you're not going to like I it. I have a problem with suspending the disbelief when it's on uh, a television. Way less. I'm in with them. We're in this together. Hello, let's do this together when we're on stage and we're all live together. I just can't do it while we're on screen. Green. Yeah. And Joey, about buy-in, I mean, both of those music genres that are brought up, metal and country and rap for that matter, require you to buy into what they're right. doing. If you yeah. just to say, I hate rap music, and someone plays a rap song for you, you've instantly plugged your fingers in your right. ears and you're not allowing yourself to see the difference between rap song A, rap song B, rap song C. Yeah. So country music's the same, metal's the same. You know, yeah, everyone can listen to, you know, a Led Zeppelin song and say, oh, great, it's Led Zeppelin. Like, but um, There's also subgenres, there's things, and if you're saying this is just... You're, you're close, but if you're close, you could close yourself off to it, but without the buy-in, yeah. it's just not going to be there. Yeah, and, and, t- and don't get me wrong, I'm not the hugest musical fan. There are musicals I do not like at all. Sure, right. and the, the, it's what's happened is, is the musicals we've covered right now happen to be my favorites on the list, and the ones we haven't touched yet are my least favorite. So you're going to see right. a, a changing in in the tide as we move on yeah. with this well, thing. The problem with musicals is get. as good as they can be. Is as bad. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, they. I think you could say the same about country, metal, and rap because bad metal is real bad. Bad country is brutal, and bad rap. But I I just think there's such a difference that seeing the real bad ones and the real good ones in the same vein is not giving credence. I also happen to love bad metal, bad country, and bad rap. So. (laughs) (laughs) If Oliver is going to be one of the best, then I'm in for. Big problem in the future. Well, I think the best is. Well, I think the best is is exclamation point. I mean, sound I think sound music is right. right, right, right yeah, but the bond record is. But the over, the, I, overall problem, and I think I figured out why I don't like it. Just don't have the Gene Kelly. And I don't, and I like it. Right. Live. That's a good distinction. I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. and that no, makes sense. That's that's the, the, the production. Right. It, it's a, Fuck musicals. <laughs> okay, so. Um, all right, so we had American Paris is the thirteen dollars, the twelve. The what was the eleven for the composites here? The eleven is an American in Paris. Okay, so that kind of washes clean because Oz hasn't seen it. It was thirteen on the IMDb's. Ours are, are we up to your ten 11, now? 11. We're up to your eleven. So give us your eleven. Argo is Argo. Okay, so Argo's in the top ten of the composites. Correct. Uh, yes. No, it, it's number twelve. Oh, it's number 12. Yeah, we skipped composites. over number 12. Okay, so yeah, all right. So, so We're all screwed up. We have to get to the top 10. Okay, yeah, we're yeah, going to get to the top 10 yeah, yeah, yeah. now. So Argo is 12 in the, the composites, composites right. okay? It does make the top 10 at IMDb, which isn't terrible surprises. It's more modern. Yeah. yeah. The 11 on IMDb is Mutiny of the Bounty. Bad job, IMDb. Which is interesting. So we've, we're up to your top 10 now, Oz. We're up to composite top 10. Have we washed clean from 11? Yeah. Okay. You don't want to talk about Argo more? No. Well, it's in the top 10 of IMDb, so that's going to probably be what's next. It's number 10, so we'll, okay. let's talk about it now. You have it at 11, 11, and the composite has it at 12. At 12. Okay, so it's, and it's 10 at IMDb. I think that there's some similarities with Argo that I can say about Grand Hotel. I mean, it's like kind of like right down the middle. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing spectacular about it. Exactly. It's, so I've tried to... Um, Trying to like kind of tear the rankings a little bit, mm-hmm. and where I have my thirteen and twelve, those I have, and like I think they're going to be 
hard, like the the bad ones. You know that right. we're talking about the, the bad fifteen or the bad twenty is where I have thirteen twelve. Argo's not that. It's mm-hmm. not. I'm I'm not going to put that in the bottom of like oh wow this this movie's good. It's fine. Like yeah. it's fine. It's watch. totally watchable. Kind of just ex- exists. I don't have an issue with it winning, but it just exists. And it's yeah, be on the so lower it's a end. shallow one. Yeah. I don't have I anything it. negative to right. say about Argo. I really don't. I just I don't have anything great to say about it, but I'll watch it if yeah, it comes on TV. Yeah, it's just not spectacular. It's got a little ensemble uh, cast going for it. It does, too. Know? There are some, some shocking but, similarities yeah. being Grand The Grand Hotel hits themes better. Yeah, the, well, I don't. Yeah, this. I don't think the purpose of Argo is. is well, I think that's part of the problem. With yeah, yeah. Argo. Uh, I would have to think about it a little more. But if you tell me that you like Grand Hotel better than Argo, I'd say that sounds fine. You know, I don't. Sure. I that. do think that there's room for representation of the action drama on I the agree. list of best pictures. So I'm happy that that's in there. You know, sure. I wish Speed yeah. won Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a five, five, five. Yeah. Yeah. Six, six, six. Yeah. So that was the ten of the IMDBs. What's right, the so what's uh Oz, what's your ten? The artist. The artist is your ten. What was the composite ten, Joe? Artist. Wow. Okay, so the artist is up a bit on the IMDB, so let's hold off because because there were some people who had Argo kind of high. I'm actually surprised artist. that it dipped that low on composite. Yeah, low, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what was your nine, Oz? Birdman. Also the nine on IMDb, which is interesting. I'm a man of the people. And it's way high on our composite. Well, well, not so we're not there yet, right? No. Yeah, we're, so we're gonna all right. So we're gonna wait on on Birdman. So Oz and and IMDb are sympathetic on Birdman. Uh, for the composite, it is Braveheart. Okay, is 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 eight? No, it's nine. Is nine? Okay. Interesting. All right. So Braveheart, we're going to wait a little while for IMDb, which is interesting. Uh, but so, Oz, your artist was simpatico with our composite. Right. Okay. All right. So, Greg, number you're at number eight. I'm at eight. I'm on. My eight is Braveheart. Okay. So, you, so spot on with, with the composite there. Because, so, because that's eight, eight, eight composite, eight. Eight. No, it's nine. Nine. Nine composite, eight Oz. Okay. Eight. For IMDb, and I think this just has to do with how kind of when it came out is the Lost Weekend. Yeah, that's just, that's low. Yeah, that's just not vote getting votes for the old one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean eight on our composite is Mutiny on the Bounty. All right, and Oz, you had the we didn't get to that yet no. yet on your list. Not yet. So you have that up a bit. All right, so we're holding off on that. It, Oz, your eight was Braveheart, Braveheart right? Yeah. Okay, seven is the artist for IMDb. So okay. let's talk about about the <clears throat> artist. So the artist Oz for you was ten. And for the composite was 10. And Grant, I believe, had it the highest. And I think he's admitted afterwards that he's he's thinking about changing. Although he did that. He did. Yeah, that's right. But then after talking to Zeta one day, he committed to it again. And we had the people of of Twitter kind of give their lists. Yeah. And I, I should have called up some of them here today. We didn't do that. But Grant said that after seeing a lot of other people's lists, he goes, nah, you know, I kind of feel a little better about my initial take on, on the artist. Let's talk about the artist. It's too gimmicky um, for me to rank it any higher. And no matter how well you do the movie, if you're going to be super gimmicky, you're just you're just limited. And that's it. There's a ceil- you, they put the ceiling on themselves with the type of movie that, that they did. And I think it's... As good as it can possibly be, mm-hmm. that gimmick they did, but it's just, it's just it's a gimmick, gimmicky movie. But you know, listen, I listen to a lot of people talk about it. I see on Twitter, or Letterbox, or just here just people that I know talk about it, and they love the movie yeah. and they think that it's kind of it's underrated in some right. So I, you I know, don't know how you call that movie underrated. 
I would agree with Yaz. I would agree with you, but it's not necessarily talked about as much as as. I think it's talked about as enough as it needs to be talked about. Yeah, I mean, well, I just just yeah. just mentioned to you that people were talking about it. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's on Netflix. Like, uh, I think. Listen, I enjoyed watching it, but I think I like me personally. I had it number twelve, and I am really comfortable with it there. <laughs> Where did I have that? Yeah, you had it at um, number 12, too. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Uh, 12. 12. Okay. Yeah, 12. Uh, 12. I, saw, I saw the artist. I saw the artist. It was good. 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 The IMDb 6, which is Annie Hall. All right. Well, we have Greg 7. Low. Um, I have Mutiny at 7. You have Mutiny at 7. Yeah. Our composite is higher on that, or is that our... No, it was lower. It's number 8 somehow. Oh. 8. Okay. And it was yeah. on... Uh, it was 11 on the... It seems like on IMDb, the older movies are just not getting the, yeah. which the is, clicks that, that some of the... Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. You're dealing with the gen pop things. Are yes, good. of course. Of course. But we have to... You know, we, we have to just look at it, so... Yeah, Mutant the Bounty, that was one that was all over the place at the rankings. <laughs> all student. over the place. Yeah. I mean, it oh, just... So I have it higher than that composite. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Mutant on the Bounty, I mean, was as high as three and as low as 13. All right, so I'll explain why I, it's out of my top five. Because I think the, the positives of the movie... Um, you both had it pretty high, right? Well, yeah. yeah, out of your top five is fair, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. five top five is pretty heavy duty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Joey, you had a four. I had a okay. six. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, I had a okay. okay. Where'd you have it? Seven. A seven. Okay. Artie so had a three. Okay. Artie loved it. He really did love it. I love when Artie loves something. Right. It, gets, it, gets, it gets me excited. I found it to be a little clunky. Okay. Well, you know, you can leave. No, just, <laughs> just you know, a little clunky. And I, I really did not like the Tahiti scene. All right, I, I don't. All. I don't. Okay. I don't, it was. It was. It had like. A, I don't blame you for that. Yeah, it no, had, the TDs were the weakest part. It of had a vibe me. of of like Gilligan's Island, where they're like, "Oh fuck, we need another two episodes. Let's do a two part special okay. where we're back on land, and then we come back to the island." It had that little like weird vibe to it, where it just didn't. I know it was important for the story, obviously, right. but it's just it. No, I think it didn't, I didn't, it didn't fit into thematically. The seriousness of the movie. Um, that being said, I mean the the performances of. Fantastic. That but there's one real that. question with Mutiny, yeah. though. Uh, what did you think of Ellison? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate him as much as you It's a bad take. It's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> become to the point where there has to be an Ellison t-shirt at this point. And it, maybe not even the traditional Best Picture cast, but just like a, like a fuck Ellison shirt or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, dry. The clunkiness might have been due to just the time period and, and yeah. the dialect. Uh, yeah, 35. Also, there was also reshoots because things got lost. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's right. They lost a lot yeah. of footage. Yeah. But they asked, they asked really interesting questions yes. to the viewer in yeah. the movie. Um, so, like I said, overall, it's... it's you were seven, I had a six. Joe, you had a four. four. Yeah. You know, three. three. Yeah. Chris was the one who had it. Chris had 13. What did Grant do with... Grant had, like, a... Grant had a nine. Had a nine. Okay, Grant was on the lower end of it too. So I mean, he was all. Over I, I watched this again recently, as I said. We're, I'm watching those 1935 movies. I just absolutely love the movie. Me I, too. I think it's great. I think that they kept trying to do. I think they they kept saying like, "Oh, that movie was great," but 20 years later, it'll be even better. And it wasn't. And then like 40 years later, it'll be even better. And it wasn't. And it. I think it just really it was that good at that moment. I think it outkicked its coverage. And, and, dude, I mean, Clark Gable and Charles Lawton, right. I mean, these are all-time 
yeah. figures in the in, in in cinema. I mean, I agree. Give the two of them off each other and a and a career performance from Franchot Tone. I, I just I but I absolutely love. When we're that. talking the higher point of these rankings, that can't just be enough, right? No. No, yeah. yeah, but another one I really have very little complaints about. But at I really the same do. time, we we are in the same area. Obviously, we are, yeah, right. yeah. So, That's I, not I, yeah. so we're yeah, we're, we're we are. The the, the, the rule of law question that they asked in that movie, it, it's brilliant. It right. really yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, um, I, 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 that is certainly great. I just to it's not going to be in my top twenty to twenty five. I don't think. I don't. I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think it'll be in my top twenty to twenty five. Three three entities experiencing the same events in three different ways, right. mixed with three all time performances right. is very cool. I mean, this is a very That's cool. Yeah. And I've said it every time we've talked about it. I went into that thinking we would see a soundstage with sloshing water, and the fact that they yeah. shot this on the yeah. Pacific Ocean yeah. still blows my mind. Man, it looks the movie looks great too. Yeah, it's a beautiful. It's movie. it's, yeah, a, it's really, an really achievement nice. technically, dude. It looks great. Yeah, right. so I, I would love to see like a restoration of that. What exactly? My top, but yeah. All right, so number six is. Six. So I mentioned that the IMDb six was Annie Hall. Right. Oz, what was your six? Last weekend. Oh. Oh. So you are the low man on the last yeah. weekend. And the yeah. whole yeah. fucking crew. Chris had it at five, I think, and he took he took heat. He's like, uh, guys, like I had it at five. Like, yeah. what are you? What are you? Yeah. What are you talking yeah, about? Top five, huh? We're like, how dare you? Um, yeah. Okay. So you had six. So we're gonna let's wait on that one. Although. IMDb had that super low, yeah. as we mentioned there. That was as low as eight. I um, understand the people, and I understand the people, and the people understand me. Uh, that might, maybe, maybe. So for the composite, number six was Platoon. Okay, so that's going to lead into the IMDb five, which is Platoon. Mm-hmm. Oz, what was your five? The Sting. The Sting. Okay, and the and the composite five. Birdman was. Birdman. Okay, I don't think Birdman shows up higher than that. And Oz, you were... Birdman was your... Nine. And your debut episode with Best yeah. Picture. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think even afterward, you were kind of like, I wish I was a little harder on, yeah, on the yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it, it is a movie that every with every movie I see, I I don't say I like it less. I just would I bump it down less. Right. Most, mostly, mostly. I'm not, yeah. not going to say that about every movie. You know, I saw Amadeus after that. You know, so stuff like that. It's like that. It, yeah. I just see more movies, sure. and it kind of like it kind of gets bumped out a little more. Uh, I kind of stand by my negatives about that movie. It tells the viewer how good it is and how smart it is, and it yeah. hits the viewer over the head with how smart it is. So I swear we're smart, kind of thing. It's like, all right, you know what? Got to do a little bit more than that for me. Yeah, and honestly, I. I just think it really just has not stuck with me. Like some of these movies, mm-hmm. after I watch it. And I watch it again for the episode, and then I listen to the episode, and usually I go watch the movie again. And sometimes, if if, you know, if I'm doing nothing and there's nothing interesting, I'll watch one of these again. I don't want. To, I don't, I've seen it. I've seen Birdman twice. I don't need to see Birdman again. I'm and, like, shocked to see it so high on the uh, composite. That, well, one person really pulled um, this up. I'm not shocked to see. Yeah, and that's going to lead into well, two people did, and two um, people, and that's funny. I know, I know, it's Grant Z that has it very high, and yeah, Grant had it at two, and Chris had it at three, and Chris had it at three too, right? Yeah, like me and Grant are very much online. Where he's somebody that if he recommends something, it's usually a like hundred percent, right? But this is one we're not. Yeah, I I do have to say this though because we're going to get to the point here as we do all ninety two of these where. I'm going to be in Grant's shoes in the spot here. And 
this movie spoke to Grant, and this movie sure. really it he, he really it took him it took him aside and like I, it, it took him aside, and I appreciate that, and I great. love that he has it at two, yeah, and I love that Chris has it at three, and I love that they both were that impacted by the movie because that's what we're doing here. That's the point of what we're. That's why we go through these right. movies Look. because. The idea is that so many people say, oh, the best picture winners is never the best movie of that year. Like, that's like the common right. line yeah, that people say. People it's like, that. all right, but let's look at the movies and let's see which ones are good, which ones are great, which ones are forgettable. And as we do that, there will be movies that speak to us individually. And, you know, we're like, oh, there'll be a movie like we haven't done, we're not going to do for a while, a movie like Million Dollar Baby. I pretty much guarantee I will have that the highest out of anyone here because... That's a movie that has always spoke to me. There's, I see layers to that movie that I feel like some people that just don't, that they don't get in tune with for whatever reason. And I think that's kind of where Birdman was yeah, with Grant. Yeah. I and think look, Grant, Grant, and his argument for Birdman, like, it's, it's I, fine. I, I can't argue with him. Yeah. No, I, well, as, as he was doing it in the right, I was like, oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Like, he makes really good points. Yeah. It's just, and that is the quote unquote beauty of the podcast. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the, I want, I want there to be movies that do nothing for me, that do worlds for other people, because Absolutely. that's what makes... If it was all... If, if this was accounting and math, this wouldn't be interesting. Right. And if everybody's 1 to 92 were exactly the same, right. there would be any, no point to have a podcast about it. So, so the... Yeah. the why, if, and I did the episode on it, and we'll end it after this. I don't want to keep going on Birdman, yeah. but... Um, it's it's got it's so much like Vanilla Sky to make Birdman, like those two movies, and and they're both like, nah, what are we even doing? Like, the, yeah, and I didn't see Vanilla Sky, but I, I, Th- that's I, I know really it has some apt complaints. comparison, yeah. right? Yes, um, like Vanilla Sky is something you watch it, you're like, I really want to like that, but because it's like telling you how right smart it is, right? Vanilla Sky is so smart, it. you'll love this, I swear. Um, and that's, but I think Birdman is going to continue to plummet in my rankings. But hey, so we're up to yeah. number fours. Yeah, because the, uh, the IMDb five was Platoon, right. and you mentioned that that right. was the Greg year number six. So Greg's higher. Right. Okay. So, so we're, we're up to fours. Yep. And the IMDb four is the Sting, which, which was, was also the composites. And 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 guys, that was five. your that was your five. Okay. So let's talk about the Sting because yeah. Sting is another one that. I find this thing extremely hard to rank mm-hmm. because number one, it's it, it has classic elements to it. It's it's like wildly respected and beloved. That being said, there's not a whole hell of a lot to it. Well, a lot of my complaints <laughs> about other movies with themes are kind of made me a liar out of the stick. Yeah, it's true. But I um, have this thing higher than all of them. So I'm glad you guys added Legacy because I don't think there is another movie besides The God. Everything's going to be besides The Godfather right. and Compliment, right? No movie has a legacy like The Sting has because every kind of crime movie you see, every kind of caper you see is based off The Sting. There's another movie here that that I'm going to talk about with that. has that. some of that. Okay. that but, I, but I think as it, it's more behind the scenes stuff that the average okay. viewer doesn't isn't aware of, but... We'll get there when we get there. But I agree with you, right? There's, I mean, there's, there's influence to this thing. Right. And, and the fact that it was influenced by movies from the 30s itself right. and continued. It was, there's, a, there's a cinema circle going on there that you have to appreciate about this thing. There might be dozens of movies made a year that are, that are influenced by this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I, yeah. I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that. So it's 
where it's, and this is why it's so hard to rank these things, its legacy is probably so much higher than the quality of the movie. Yeah, 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 or, or the depth right, of the, the depth. movie. Because the quality, it's a great quality. Yeah, yeah depth depth is made. Better, very well made. The is acting's a, good. is a better yeah, it's, it's is the a depth word. and the themes. Depth are and lacking. themes are a better word because yeah, I mean it, it, it is what it is on right. the screen. It's well put together. Those are handsome motherfuckers. The sting, the sting <laughs> yeah. has gone up every time it's come up in conversation for me. Like when I first yeah. saw it, I was like, "That's a movie," and and then when we did the episode, okay, and then now we did the rankings episode, right. and now we're talking about today. I, I think you're right. There's there's something important about it's this thing. I don't know I don't know if I can properly articulate it I, although I spent hours doing but it by the time we get to the 90, <laughs> 93 at that point we'll yeah, be able to when I've reached 12 hours of talking about this thing then maybe well, I'll get it, to the point of articulating it's it, the hardest it question to ask about are we talking about the legacy of the movie are we talking about what it did are we talking about the quality we're talking about it all exactly. we're no, really exactly. talking about it all uh, and how you put that together depth of the movie some of them that I have lower than this thing have more depth. I'm just putting in that my belief of this thing having yeah. way more impact on what we lay our eyes on every time we see a movie. Yeah, and and to cap that off, uh, the sting was the IMDb four. Okay, Oz, it was your five and, and the composite four. Oh, so I composite even, four. I so we're all yeah, really all had it at the Who same spot. Who are you arguing with? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, for ours, I mean, I have it at number five. Kieran has it at number seven. Grant has it at seven. Yeah, so me and Grant. You yeah, Artie it. has it at four. Chris has it at four. Right, so it, it's yeah. it's basically Artie, Chris, yeah. Oz, me. Joey, and the composite are all right, yeah. and me and Grant are wrong. So, so, there, <laughs> so there you go. Number um, three. You won the argument, Oz. Congrats. Against uh, nobody. No, against nobody. Oh, yeah, you're four, yeah. Uh, Annie Hall. Okay, Annie Hall was your four. That was the IMDb six. That so was the seven. Composite so seven. Okay, so you had it, and you were on the uh, you were on the Annie Hall episode. Yeah. Uh, it's a great episode. The yeah. uh, Rob Bobcat yeah. is in the mix for that too. We had a nice uh, Sunday afternoon on the South Shore. It was yeah. it was uh, a great day. Uh, granted, a little run in about That's Star right. Wars. It was fun. It's great episode. Check that out. Perfect. Uh, as controversial as Woody Allen can be. Yeah, he's not in jail yet, so we're okay. Yes, well, for now. Yeah, so you had this a little higher than, than the rest of the gang. Who had it the highest on, out of the crew, Joe? Grant had it at four. See, this is what I'm talking it. about with me and Grant usually. So, I mean, yeah. I have it at number eight. Kieran, you have it at number five. Wait. Grant has it at four. Artie has it at eight. Chris has it at seven. So you have it at eight. It's it funny, at, like, me and Grant yeah. are, are, like, statistically really aligned, but when we disagree on one yeah. thing, like, we rip each other apart like lions. Like, that's, that's just, uh, so that's just I, how it goes. So, I guess we turn this over to Joey. Why do you have it in the lower half of this thing? Because, like I said on the episode, you know, on yeah. the rankings episode, I enjoyed it. I yeah. think it's good. I just think that when I'm looking at other things and what's going to win an award sure. for a best picture over it, I think... You know, I have Birdman, Amadeus, Sting, Union on the Bounty, Platoon, Godfather, Lost Weekend. I think they're all better. I think they're all more interesting. I think just consistently, if we're looking at performances, if we're looking at everything on it, I think they're better. I think Annie Hall is a funny movie that I enjoy watching. But, like, you know, as good as the lobster scene was, I like 22 Jump Streets better. Yeah. Comedies uh, are tough. 
How do these are tough to, to, to rank? They are, but I mean, everything we said about the sting has to be applied to Andy Hall as far Almost as the legacy. More style, yeah, right? because, you know, now I, so in, I mentioned that I was watching the 1935 movies for this, for the, the Alternate Oscars podcast, and one of the movies that year was uh, Night at the Opera, which is a Marx Brothers movie. Oh, okay. And I saw how much that movie influenced Woody Allen's comedy. Yeah. So you see, it's like, you when you say, oh, like Seinfeld and Larry David got all this, and then I'm saying, whoa, wait a minute, yeah, now I'm watching that. this, so you well, see how it goes. builds uh, upon of the previous. It does. Yeah. Of course it does. And, and that's great. And that's Absolutely. great. That's but the beauty of the comedy. building blocks. Right. Yeah, so uh, I, I do think that like Annie Hall kind of caps off a, a collective career of Woody Allen and, and all the work that he's done. I don't think any other movie that he's done better exemplifies what he is and what he does. And, and I think that, as say what you want about him as a person, well, his filmmaking right. does kind of need to be represented in the grand scheme of things. Especially Annie Hall. And I think Annie Hall's a great... Annie Hall has a very important place in movies. It, that's my... That's, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a quicker way to say what I was trying to say there, Joe. And, I mean, and it just shows you don't have to be physically funny, right? It doesn't have to be physical funny. It doesn't no, have to be over... cleverly funny. Aha funny. It could be conversational funny. Yeah. Uh, it, probably one of the first bigger movies to do that. It was on the episode. I don't need to speak about it. Much yeah. Anymore. So we're, we're, we're good on that. Yeah. We're good on that. We've probably already talked yeah, enough yeah, about Woody Allen to this. Oh, Woody Allen. He just got arrested. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Annie Hall was the IMDb 6. It was the composite... 7. 7. And, and Oz, it was your... 4. 4. It was 4. Oz, what's your three? Amadeus. Wow. Wow. It's also the IMDb. Also three. composite. Wow. Yes. There you go. Boom. Three, three, three for Amadeus. Seems like no one disagrees. <laughs> the people, yeah. the uh, the BPC team, and, and Oz all have it at three. It's one hell of a fucking movie, dude. If, if there's a movie that you haven't seen here, please go out and you see it. You said it perfectly yeah. on the rankings episode. <laughs> like, of all the movies people hasn't seen... Go see Amadeus. It's the it's the it's the best movie that people haven't seen. So this was early season two, right? Yeah, it was right in the middle. Middle yeah, right season in the middle. two. Uh, this is where I decided I'm no longer going to be surprised when the best picture movie I remember is you a good that. movie. It's like yeah. that's it because I didn't, I was like this is good. The stupid looking costumes, which are very accurate and more ripping on like the yeah. historical right, nature right, of right, them right. than the movie. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is three hours. What am I doing? And it's it's amazing. And from there, I was like, you know what? These movies win Best Picture for a reason most of the time. And I'm not going to be surprised. But yeah. Great movie. Um, Nothing to disagree about. So I've been thinking about another way to, to talk about this. I think Amadeus is the most glaring omission from the AFI Top 100. Out of any movie. And and the reason why I don't say that about the Lost Weekend is Billy Wilder already has four movies on sure. the list, so I'm okay with him. They have to right. pick one to leave it off. Right. It's my favorite Billy Wilder movie, but I get it. Amadeus one thousand percent belongs on that list, and that list can't exist without Amadeus. Uh, I I don't I and and if you look at you know the 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 murky waters that are film Twitter. No one says a negative word about Amadeus. It's just, there's no, no one says a negative just, word. It, for some reason, it's just lost in the 80s. It is. Well, it is. That's it's unfortunate. A, it's a period piece lost I, in the 80s. I think that it, it's got the period piece. Um, it deserves better than it gets. Right. And it, it's, it's, it's in the one decade where no one was making period pieces, too. Right. Like, it's like the only decade where no one's making period pieces. I just want to uh, shout out uh, 
the uh, the the actor for for Mozart. Uh, yeah, Tom Also. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, amazing. It was so engaging. <laughs> I mean, it was that like, laugh. Yeah. You just you can't stop watching him. It's great. And Solier, we've talked enough about. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, amazing. Yeah. You're a slacker, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite moments in BP is is Grant's impression of Solier as the principal in Back to the Future. So the number twos because yeah, the twos, yeah, the twos, and I'll start with the IMDb twos because this is the most glaring issue on the IMDb list. is Braveheart. So. I think if you if on the IMDb list if you flip flopped Braveheart and the Lost Weekend, and made Braveheart the eight and Lost Weekend the two, I think it's a pretty solid list. I don't think there's really maybe Mutiny and the Bounty is a little lower than it should be. It seems like the older movies get hit a little yeah. harder on IMDb. Yeah. Braveheart at two, you, you understand why IMDb has it there. You know, it's uh, that's that's kind of like incorrect. Like, I don't think in any world Braveheart's a better movie than Amadeus, The Sting, or Platoon, or Annie Hall. Like, it's insane. Or The Lost Weekend, for that matter. Oz, your two. Uh, my two is Platoon. Platoon. So I, you you have it by far the highest out of everyone. I have a three here, and you have it four, and everybody else has it. Uh, already it, already the, has the it. The Sheen haters. Yeah. Right. The, not understanding a role. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we, we, unfortunately for them, we have the microphone today. So we, well, we've uh, all had this argument. We're not saying yeah. anything we haven't said to them. Grancy is clenching the steering wheel as we figure. Going back to the Braveheart, I have it at eight, so I, I okay. agree. Yeah. There's right. not significant. Like, there's issues with that being that high, but like, there's something to be said with how well it performed the epic. Yeah. Movie. You know, yeah. It, it sure. did a great job with that. I don't have a problem with it being a Best Picture winner. I also had an eight joy. I, I was the one I was shocked you had it so low. You had an eleven, yeah. I, and I you were. I don't like, have a, a, a problem with it existing in this world. I don't think it's one I just better think, movies. I'm I, with yeah. you. With the I, I think that's well said. Yeah. All yeah. of that you just said, I love. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just, it, it thinks it. It thinks it's more important than it is. I think on purpose, but it limits it. Yeah, it it also kind of. Right. It kind of got market corrected by Gladiator. Yeah. That's yes. Yeah. I think that if Gladiator doesn't happen, I think maybe Braveheart, Braveheart's ranked high, a little higher in everyone's minds. So I I, wa- I rewatched it with Nicola, who was on yeah, the, was on the episode. episode. Yeah, you're right. Um, for the first time in like a while, that was an interesting experience. Yeah, that watching it like with your adult wife as an adult, <laughs> yeah. but she's seen it for the first time in the, you know our time period. It's uh yeah yeah it's, it's interesting because. Mel Gibson writes and directs and stars in the movie, and he has sex with the only two women that have <laughs> impregnated, and they're both like hot. Right, impregnates one of them, probably two of them. It's just a very interesting situation for for Braveheart. But I've said my you're number two, Greg. Platoon. There it is. Platoon. Yeah. So you have it the highest. I do. Yeah. Talk to me about Platoon, and you're you're going to be preaching to the choir yeah. here. We are fully on board. Yeah, the only thing that stood in, in between Platoon, uh, us and you and Platoon, was Lost Weekend, yeah. which we'll talk about next. But yeah, okay. go, go. It does every single thing that a movie should do. So we'll start with the ensemble cast nature of it. Not to the extent of all stars, but all people that... Pre-stars. Became unbelievably casted. Mm-hmm. And that shines through Purpose, after. Purposefully yes. casted. Right. Yes. If you criticize how this movie is, is shot, there's nothing to be said negative about that. It has a brutally memorable... Mm-hmm. It's brutal, but it's a memorable scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it hits on 
the very important the period pieces are tough and time period uh, historical pieces are tough but it hits on almost like a micro version of vietnam as opposed to the overall macro version mm -hmm. it drops you in doesn't explain to you the beginning doesn't explain to you the end doesn't explain to you the sides necessarily but it drops you in as the viewer um i the criticisms of uh of of, of, of charlie sheen i i understood that but i don't know if criticizing him understands the purpose like you're the he's the vessel of you as the viewer he's almost like not that important as far as his like acting chops, he should totally, be confident. Totally yeah. agree. Mad. I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, you're there through him. He's there to to show you that. I just I don't know what would make this movie lower than a lot of the movies. Right. You on don't this need list. Daniel Day Lewis in that role, and I do want to. That takes away from it. I, I do, do want know. to. I do want to point this out because I didn't bring this up on the episode, and, and I've been thinking about this because we've. A argued lot. about this a lot over text since the episode just for the so the, the yeah. listener can can yeah. can uh we're gonna post can know the, like honestly, we're gonna post the text on the twitter page. yeah the biggest issue is joey where is birdman on the composite birdman is number five where is platoon on the composite absurdly number six okay so that is so that is that has been the biggest yes. civil war that's gone on with best picture cast is platoon versus birdman and that's fine one point about the charlie sheen debate that i want to bring into the mix is I think it needs to be stated how early in the, the his career this was. This is before he's a star. The only notable title he has before this is Red Dawn. Right. He does he Lucas the same year. He's a high school football a, player the same year. He's in Red Dawn, and that's right. it. Right. Okay, so I think he may he may have been in the Ferris Bueller. He had the, the cameo in Ferris Bueller. Right, he was in a jail, jail cell. Right, right. right. So... They took a rookie actor who had ties to another Vietnam movie. Ten years his earlier, father, his father narrated. They wanted to to bring some of those vibes back. I I just I don't get I don't get getting so distracted with him in this movie. I think you're I I think you're missing the point yeah, a little bit. Right. And you know we have Joey, me and you have the microphone today. There'll be a, there'll be a time. I mean, the other obviously, side of the microphone, I. Agree with you guys. I think like if Birdman is ranked higher than this, there's something wrong with the scoring system. That kind of thing. Like maybe uh, I mean, hey, it. it's fair. No, it's know, fair. I know, I know, it's I know, definitely I fair. There's um, no. It's it's a, it's an even Listen, deposit. Yeah. But I, I wish I could cheat and turn it. But unfortunately, um, this is how civil wars work. So, so, <laughs> that two sides don't grin something, so they go to war. So I could use the word uh, powerful to explain platoon, and there's not as as much as I like. The movies that I just ranked before, I don't know if I would I would describe them as powerful. Like I wouldn't. I don't know if I would describe Amadeus as a powerful movie. Platoon is like a. It's right. a powerful. I, I would. Movie. But every well, time, yeah. yeah. Every time I've seen Platoon, I feel things throughout. Right. Yeah. Amadeus, I think, is powerful as well, though. I, yeah. I, but I think I think Platoon is a special movie. Yeah. Right? I would say my top four. I consider the more powerful: Platoon, Amadeus, Lost Weekend, and The Godfather. Okay. And yeah, that yeah. was one of the reasons why. I couldn't rank Annie Hall above Platoon because I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about the like the the piousness of Vietnam War versus like right. a guy's third divorce, like a romance after his third divorce. Like, so yeah, so. Right. And just the way they exit you out of that movie is unbelievable. And dude, when, if you watch that documentary, if you watch that, that Platoon documentary and what it yeah. did to the cast members and how close they remained right. from from 
people who went on to be mega stars to people who really that's their highest acting credit. I don't know. I think it's an unbelievably important movie. I love that you have it in the two hours. I really I, do. I, can't, I just can't believe that. That because so we like, we group viewed that. Yeah, which was yeah. We group viewed that, yeah. and it was like our anniversary episode. Yeah. And like I felt like Doctor Hammond in Jurassic Park when he brings the paleontologists and and the chaos agent to Jurassic Park, expecting them all to like love it. And then them going, well, there's a lot of problems here with this. And it's like, God, the only one on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> I, I, listen, that's the beauty of the podcast. We've yeah. said it a million times, yeah. but you had it too. That, that's great. So, so we're, that's... Lost Weekend's next. You had that lower than anybody. Lower yeah, you... than, yeah, than six. Let's hear the you, on the opposite side of things right. here. So, because me and Joey had it one. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So now we've... Now we're not happy with you. Not <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. Platoon, Platoon yeah. team is over here. And I will say what I did not have a problem with. I don't give it... The, the bat and the rat is fine. I don't have a I totally I agree. I don't have any problem. Thank God. If you think of... If that was your argument, I was just going to be like annoyed. I totally agree. I don't... It's another one I did. That and Charlie Sheen are right next to each other. I don't get that. I don't... But go on, go on, go on. I felt it had a little like... On this very special episode of Best Picture Cast vibe, we're going to talk about why drinking is bad. All and right, so it sounds like you have some like Best Picture Cast criticism tears. No, 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 no. I didn't know how else this. You know, like it, yeah. it had the, it had a uh, like a like a almost a after school special. Yeah, type a, a, of. exactly. Vibe to it about why drinking is bad, which maybe at the time it might have been a little more effective than it is now not that that's not a problem now but also don't like love how those characters were developed i didn't have a problem with his brother right your brother is your brother you got to take care of your brother i had a big problem with his girlfriend okay huge problem with his girlfriend sticking with him they did nothing to present why anyone but a family member would stick with him we could assume as a viewer what they're trying to say, but I compare it to a movie like Leaving Las Vegas, where you take the main character who's got the problem, and you take the quote-unquote love interest, maybe it's a love interest, maybe not, maybe it's just a friend, but they develop that to the extent where you understand why they're connected, and they just kind of threw away, like, why is anyone sticking around this guy? You know, I, I see what you're saying, but if I didn't you know, if I didn't know so many people who were abusive alcoholics right. who have significant others that mind blowingly stick by them and, and I'm like I'm like I know real life things of it. I just I just see it and you gotta I need to just I need to just say again, the movie ha- was forced into being filtered over by the Hayes era. And and there there's there's it if that movie was made Prior to 1930 or after 1960, it would have been different based on what he was. He he had limited pieces to work with, mm-hmm. and he the way he put them together was genius. As far as what yeah. he could show, couldn't show, wasn't allowed to show, he had to kind of disnify certain things in there. And I think he made an incredibly dark movie right. while doing it. I but also had, oh sorry go ahead Joey no I spoke you yeah. I also think it shows alcoholism in a more nuanced and realistic way than movies are, and people are capable of understanding now well ahead of its time and it shows the irrationality of these race relationships that you know people 
are able to see only the good and ignore all this just bad and downfall and not be able to leave someone when they're at their lowest because of they know how high the highs can be and really holding that all together and that really hit hard. So I don't think they presented the good though. But I think they hinted at it by going back with things a little bit where she's... And it's also an irrational thing that people stay together and her... No, I... I I am... it's, I can't. It's not as simple, but I don't. I didn't see. I don't think the they laid hint. it out. I didn't see the hints at the good. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't fully disagree with the fact that Jane Wyman's character was a little underdeveloped, and and, and so so we didn't get her plight as to why. You know, what are the gaps in her confidence? What are the gaps in her life that? are filled by Just a little him. bit more savior stuff and, and it would have really helped. And yeah. So when we're talking about ranking it with the best of the best, mm-hmm. when you make a movie where we're like, eh, we can't really figure out the third or fourth most apparent character on screen. I just have, have trouble with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, we are talking about it up against the Godfather, but I, but, I do, I look so at I Lost Weekend. I with it, yeah. I think, I think the Lost Weekend won a gunfight with a knife. That's how I look at that movie. And that might be true, yeah. but I'm just talking about what's on screen. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not talking about the, the talent of the director, writer, creator. That can become apparent in many other ways, but if he was limited, he was limited, and that's bad for him. But as far as comparing the movie to other movies... I don't know, are we saying that... Part of Limit is like the time that you sure. made it in. And that's why I think one of the things that makes Meeting the Bounty so impressive. Because yeah. it, it, if if that movie's made in the 90s... It was made in the 80s and it wasn't as impressive. Like right. it, They did it at the, at the time yeah. they did it. So, I yeah, think, I, dude, I, I think that you know, you're putting up a good end. It's not like you had it like 10, you had right. a 6. Because like, they, so. they did a great job showing his plight. And I think they did a bad... Not a bad job. An underdeveloped, an underdeveloped everybody genre. else's plate, and I can forgive brother and just be like, oh, well, that makes sense. It's his brother. Mm. I, I, I think part of the reason I didn't have problems with it because a lot of it is when one person is going through something so big, everybody else does fall behind yeah. and become minor in real life. Sure, and that's what actually happens. Yeah. And seeing that, yeah. and again, it's something that people yeah. that. They have trouble showing that on screen now where, you know, when one person's going through something so profound that other people do become less important, unfortunately, at times. Yeah. And I think they just nailed it. And I just will cap it off if I can with just I think that there are times in life where we all see someone with someone, whether it's a guy or a girl, a girl or a guy, and you scratch your head and you go, what is this person doing? And we don't have all those answers. And I think that there's, there is some merit to this movie not giving you those answers. Because in a movie made in 1945, you know, I see relationships in 2021 where I see one of the two people underdeveloped in life. And I want to know what's their plight that gets them to this yeah. spot. I also don't and, want every movie to be this, five hours. Well, yeah. that's, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, the last movie that we haven't discussed, I don't think we need to go no. crazy with, though. Oz, did, you know, you're, the yeah. part of being part of this is that you have you have some airspace to talk about The Godfather. Okay. This is it. So let's yeah. go. It's um, when when you're doing five five fives. This is the five, the five, the five. Yeah. That's it. I mean, there, there's talk about performances. 
themes how it shot. This wrote the book, this, and there's a reason why it is what it is. I know it's annoying to hear about The Godfather. Even as someone who loves The Godfather, it's like, ah, I get it. And it's annoying to hear about the, the... Like, I'm a little sick of the Italian mafia stories. You know, it, 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 there's overload, but it's not because of this movie. I will tell a story. on. I was on a long flight back. It was like 14 hours a couple of years ago. And, uh, like, those... Uh, those overseas flights have a little bigger, like a not in first class or anything, but right. little little Gets bigger seats, little yeah. little big bigger screens, and you're scrolling through it. And I'm like, ah, oh, the Godfathers are on here, so I watched all of them in a row. Wow! Oh, oh wow. one, two, three on the flight, fourteen hours. And it's like, when had you seen them before that previously? Uh, probably a couple. It had only been like straight through, probably a very long. Okay. Time, okay. But, cool. Cool. But um, wow. the funny story is, after I started watching it, like an hour later, I I get up to to go to the bathroom, whatever, get a get a drink on the flight. You could see like there's like five other people watching it too. <laughs> so like the, the, somebody awesome. wa- the bunch of other people on the flight wanted to watch these movies too, and that's that's the Godfather for you. Yeah, yeah that's so, great. Yeah. that is that is, and uh, and we're just past Father's Day here, and on Father's Day we watched Godfather. Myself, uh, my dad, and my brother Brennan B, who's been on this podcast here before. Uh, Brennan B had never seen the Godfather. My dad hadn't seen it in decades. Right. Wow. And I've been hounding the two of them to watch it, and I finally got them to do it. My dad is 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 very big on like he'll watch anything in the winter time on a nice sunny day. He's not watching a movie, so to get him to do this was a major victory. And God bless um, them. They, they both loved it. They both dug it. You know, Brendan B. Of course, had some certain bizarre criticisms that you know, <laughs> as 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 is expected I, with right. um, with them. But they, they both loved it, and and we're, and I think the one thing that they were just both blown away with is just how yeah. amazing Marlon Brando is. Yeah. <laughs> it is just yeah. there's a reason he's Marlon Brando. So, Joey, sure. b- before we cap this off, hey, you're the only one that had it too. Yeah, absolutely. What do you got as it being? I mean, yeah, you've gotten, some, you've gotten some heat. You've gotten Not some really. heat for that. Um, I, mean, I think it is a time to revisit it. I would have been super upset if I if I saw someone have it like four or three or five. Two, I'm willing to kind of, you know. I think The Godfather to. is excellent. I think, like I said, it was between that and Lost Weekend. And yeah. I kind of looked at the things I liked the least out of each. And I liked the things in Lost Weekend better. Where certain things, certain specific scenes took me out of The Godfather a bit, where I never got taken out of The Lost Weekend. Now the six times I've seen it since the first time. And that is yeah. not an exaggeration. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that it's a little different. You know, I like that you have to, someone, someone went there, and you went there, and I respect you for that. Yeah. Uh, it, it has gotten a little, there's been some chirping. There's yeah. been some chirping. You, but just, you just don't like my girl Diane Keaton, right? I, not in this. I love her in any I gotta say this, Joey. And I meant to say this to you guys in the text, but I'm even happier. I have a, I have a, I have, I, you know, I got a damn platform to say this right now. I got a microphone in front of me. I, after watching it again here this past weekend, and we're talking about Godfather 1 here, I think saying that Diane Keaton is weak in any way in that is a bad take. Oh, I well, think, I it. I dude, think she's, whew. I'll tell you what, man, I think. With what her role is in the grander scheme of things, we couldn't talk about this too much in one because you hadn't seen two yet. Right. And ha- after covering too. one and two and now watching one again, I think what she's doing in that is pretty fucking next level. I really do. I think she's, I kind of think she's great. There is one scene, there's the one scene with her with the kids in the school and like they're just like hopping in the car. That's like, that. that's like a little bit like what's going on here. But dude, there are some moments of un. 
spoken actions there. I where think she's, in two, I agree. I think in one, she's a whole lot of nothing. Have you seen one since covering oh, yeah. two? Since covering two? Oh, yeah. Oh, you have. Okay. And All I right. fully stand by yeah, it. I yeah. Um, I, that was my biggest takeaway this time around is, is um, I was like, wow, you know what? I think that. As a whole, everyone was too hard on her because I think she's I think she's pretty good. I I agree. I, yeah. I that's I kind of missed what everyone was talking about about Diane. Yeah. I really, I I really just, do. I'm with you, Oz. I, yeah. I I that was my big takeaway this. And summer. what I'm talking about, this is why I'm kind of kind of surprised at the the Godfather two. As uh, no, sorry, Godfather as number two. Oh, <laughs> All right, yeah, be oh, careful sorry. here. There's sorry, a lot of two. T O O T O two. There's a ranking two. There's a sequel two. Like I'm, I kind of making these into uh, a little bit of a structure on the rankings, and it's Platoon, and then it's a huge jump to the Godfather. Like I love Platoon, obviously, but the, the Godfather so far and away, it's just its own. It, it, it's its own entity. Yeah, I, as you said it, yeah. I think you said it great. We talk about the three categories. Yeah. Godfather wrote the book on mm-hmm. all three of those. You know, I, 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 I'm also go on record saying that if Sunset Boulevard was involved in this, Godfather would be three. So, wow. which wow. I mean, again, so what you, but what you can. You know, but what is the miss about the Godfather for you then? I just think those are more yeah. interesting. Like how many guys in suits? Like no, I think the Godfather is fantastic. I'm not. I'm only saying bad things about The Godfather because I have to. Like, Diane Keaton compared to other actresses in the world is fantastic. In that movie, compared to those people, she is not great. It was because the Jersey Shore ruined it for you, right? No, it was only for <laughs> But it's the same reason I never watched The Sopranos. Like, how much mafia shit. Like, no, it's I'm, just, certain, all right, I've had enough. Uh, where I think Lost Weekend is just really just hit me more. I think Sunset Boulevard is better as well. No one's going to throw a brick through your window for recognizing Sunset Boulevard as one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> or yeah, that you like, have mafia yeah. burnout in the entertainment world. Yeah. Because in living in the Northeast. No. I, I don't need... That might get a brick through your window. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, listen. Don't tell my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, after Godfather 2 and the whole discussion, I went back and watched Godfather yeah. 1. And, you know, I fully stand by everything I've said yeah. and ranked. I'll tell you what, I could watch it right now. I, right, I absolutely love it. Okay, so as we say at the beginning of every one of these, this is not a Who Should Have Won podcast, but we do like to recognize the other movies that were nominated for Best Picture. We must acknowledge them. We must acknowledge them. Yes. And uh, we'll start with uh, Artie B's favorite band, though he thinks that they're not rock and roll enough. And doesn't remember the crazy or crying videos? Those are I don't yeah, I agree. those are important parts of growing up for people um, of our age. It is Aerosmith, spelt yeah. differently. It's it's Arrow, spelt like you would think Arrow would be spelled with uh, Smith next to it. It's directed by John Ford, who has the most best director wins of any director. He's director of Grapes of Wrath and The Quiet Man and How Green Is My Valley. This is one best picture one of them. But uh, and it's a medical researcher is sent to a plague outbreak where he has to decide priorities for the use of a vaccine. Mm. All right. <laughs> that got real. Yeah, I just, I want to know if he writes his own, if, if his biggest song, did he write his own song? Or the biggest he did not write it on, so that takes, that devalues yeah, him. That's it. So, <laughs> Aerosmith. There right. it is. I was crying when I met you. Yeah. Now I'm trying you guys, to forget you. You guys forgot to talk about the, uh, the, the video for Amazing. 
Yeah, you're crying and uh, is and that is that also people. Alicia Silverstone? Yes, with the okay. virtual reality. Yeah. Okay, so that one I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's I a don't good know. One that one. Think that's the one that won over REM. No, no, it was uh, it was yeah. crying okay. that one. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. That was a little bit later that All one. Right. Yeah. All right, but next we go to Bad Girl. A man and woman skeptical about romance, nonetheless fall in love and are wed. But their lack of confidence in the opposite sex haunts their marriage. Ooh. It won two Oscars this year. It won Best Writing Adaptation, Edwin J. Burke, and it won Best Director, Frank Borzage. Oh, so that was the Best Director winner. Yeah, cool. All right, that was Bad Girl. Um, so this next one was only nominated for one Oscar, did not win. Uh, and it's called Five Star Final, which is not what, what Grand Hotel got from us. It didn't yeah, get the right. five, 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 but Five Star Final. Is in there. And that's uh, the city editor of a sleazy tabloid goes against his own journalistic ethics to resurrect a 20-year-old murder case with tragic results. That sounds pretty damn good, actually. That sounds good. I like that. Yeah, the five-star final. I would check that out. It's directed by Mervyn Leroy. There it is, five-star final. All right, so next we move on to One Hour Without You. And I, without knowing anything about this movie, it's an hour and 18 minutes, so I enjoy that. It's a winning, that's a winning combination right there. Yeah, so... An unhappily married couple try to come between a happy one. Is it only nomination as best picture? There's directors. George Kukur is uncredited, and Ernst Lubitsk is the credited director, so there's some drama here. Nice, quick, efficient looking movie. That looks like it's on Amazon Prime. Right. 7.2 on IMDb. Nice. Yeah. Well, we're, we're moving to a 7.3er here, and that's The Champ. And it stars Wallace Beery, who is our heel in Grand Hotel. It was a good year for him. Okay. And he wins the Oscar for Best Actor in this one. Oh. Um, so this was his Oscar, and the description's very simple here. The Champ, it's about what you think it would be about, right? A boxer. And uh, an alcoholic ex-boxer struggles to provide a good living for his son. So Wallace Beery uh, plays the lead in this one. I don't think he has that German accent along here in this one, but He's he plays. The boxer uh, in that? He plays Andy Purcell. Yeah, Andy Purcell, the oh, champ. He worked out a little bit. Um, Jackie Cooper in that one too. Irene Rich. So, nice. uh, won two Oscars: Best Actor and Best Writing Original Story. It was also nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. Nice. All right, so then we move on to Shanghai Express. Which I've heard of before. That, that, that name stuck out to me. Yeah, 7.3 IMDb. A notorious woman rides a train through a dangerous situation with a British captain she loved. Joseph von Sternberg directed. It won an Oscar for Best Cinematography, Lee Garms. Yeah, it sounds like it's got like Western vibes to it. Yeah. I mean, it, it might be European, but it seems like it's got some Western vibes. So. Yeah, it, it actually looks pretty interesting. Directed by who? Joseph von Sternberg. Cool. Uh, and finally, we have... The Smiling Lieutenant, and it was uh, only nominated for Best Picture, and it's an amorous lieutenant is a smiling lieutenant, if you will, okay. is forced to they had, they had to get a, they had to pick up the thesaurus and come up with a good <laughs> word for smiling. Uh, is forced to marry a socially awkward princess, though he tries to keep his violin playing girlfriend on the side. So we got love triangle vibes here, directed by Ernst Lubitsch. And uh, it's starring... So two for Ernst this year. Yeah, yeah. Who was his, what was his other one? One Hour Without You. One Hour Without You. And uh, that is starring Maurice Chevalier, Miriam Hopkins, and Claudette Colbert, who won Best Actress 
horror. It Happened One Night, which is one of the only three movies to win the Big Five. Right. Along with Cuckoo's Nest and Sons of the Lambs. So, Interesting. Yeah. So that's it, boys. We're right. done here. It was a grand episode. That was. It was a discussion of a grand hotel. I, I guess we'll, we'll go out here just asking your general impressions of hotels as a whole. I love hotels myself. Oh. I well, love them. I love, I love just the whole idea of just staying in a clean room that someone... I'm talking about like a nice hotel. Yes. A grand hotel, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like... Um, well, yes. If we're in other cities, I, uh, the hotel kind of symbolizes that you're somewhere else, which is right. cool. So I'm in. Definitely. Yeah. Even if it's kind of like a, like a smaller town or like oh, a yeah. middle of nowhere town, a hotel is kind of like a... It's got to be like at least like a few hundred miles from home, though, to count. Yeah. And, I just love hotels. Just yeah. somewhere different, doing yeah. something different. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, as a, as a travel baseball coach, I've been in many, many yeah. weird towns, so it's just yeah. it's always it's always kind of a refreshing. Hey, and you know, we can go steal some pearls, win some backers. Yeah, games, you could be a hotel models. thief. Yeah, you yeah. become a hotel thief want. so. with a heart of gold. Yeah. So, gentlemen, we did it. We uh, went back to the '30s yet again. Yeah. And we survived. So, uh, closing thoughts, Oz. Uh, look, these '30s movies, the movies from the '30s, can be daunting, but uh, this was a good movie. I, I liked it. And I'm happy to watch it, and you should watch it. Watch the movie. Watch it, absolutely. Yeah. It was great to have you back in the mix here. Uh, I was not prepared for you to spring out a bottle of Jaeger at us, yeah. but hey, you yes. know what? Best yeah, picture, yeah. you can never, you, right. really you, you can't bring expect anything. Yeah, you, you, don't expect anything and expect everything at the Next same time. Next time, I'm so. going to break out the 99 bananas. So <laughs> That's it. Oh, Jesus. God, please no. Joey, closing thoughts here. As much as I hate Allison, I love Joan Crawford. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Follow great. us on Letterboxd. <laughs> that's it. Follow us on Letterboxd. All of our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as Joey said, Letterboxd. It's at Best Picture Cast. You can get us, rate, review, all of that. Uh, we uh, called in for a late checkout for this one, as we <laughs> normally do at Best Picture Cast. But we made it. And uh, thank you, guys. Now, I just, myself, I want to be alone Please have a good night, everyone. We'll check in next time for Best Picture Cast. Take care.